0: Twitter, Instagram, threads, you name it. D3 Hoopsville is your avenue and your source, and we'll look forward to having you there as soon as you can make it happen. Uh, You can even email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Email us there, hoopsville at d3sports.com, and we will talk and chat with you there as well if we can. Email us during the show. We'll try and answer your questions during the show, as uh, that might be a new speed record getting the camera up back and running. For all you live folks, of course, now I'm fearful I'm going over to the Facebook feed. And yeah, it already, it already stopped just like that. So somehow it hates us when we have that issue with the camera. So we're going to try and fix that here momentarily. But again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at d3hoops or hashtag us hoopsle, hoopsle at d3sports.com, et etc. et cetera. Let us know how you uh, want to interact with us, and we will do our best to interact back with you. Lots to talk about tonight on the show. And we'll have uh, plenty to talk about in the coming weeks. Believe it or not, we are closing in on only a month left in the regular season. Uh, we'll be talking about regional rankings here before long and plenty of other details. So this is the place to be, among with our friends and family from around Division Three as well. So stick with us. We will uh, we'll be, we'll take you through it. Reminder, a couple of big shows coming up. Of course, we'll have the Top 16 show. That'll be February 15th. Uh, At 7 o'clock Eastern time right here. We'll also have our selection Sunday show at the end of February and our brackets breakdown show the next day when the brackets come out. Uh, Outside of that, reminder that we're going to be on at 1 o'clock Eastern for the next several Thursdays. Uh, Actually, every Thursday the rest of the regular season except for that 15th show. Uh, That is the exception to the rule, as it were, as we are literally going to try and get back up and running here. Um, let's see, what are we calling it? Pushing through is our, our show. This is why we only simulcast to Facebook. A lot of people, um, um, a lot of people broadcast to Facebook. This is one of the biggest reasons I don't, to be completely honest. Uh, We don't like this inconsistency on them, but we like to simulcast when we can. So we're simulcasting there. We're simulcasting to uh, YouTube as well, et cetera, et cetera. That's how you can interact with us and, and... Even our guests, when we have them live, we don't have any live right this minute, but we will. Coming up, we'll be talking to Christine Clancy, the head coach of the Washington and Lee General's women's basketball team. Talk about her success, the team's success, and the success in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference. We'll talk with her uh, here shortly. Believe it or not, they're getting off the practice court as we speak. Then we'll switch gears, talk men's basketball, head up to New England. Tyler Sims, a Clark men's basketball coach, will join us. They were 23rd ranked in D3hoops.com, and top 25, until today's came out. They slipped out of the top 25, which I'll admit, I dropped five teams from my top 25, meaning I dropped the fifth of the, of the squads. Um, that was pretty significant in my book. Um, not sure how other voters did, but there was certainly some turbulence, as it were, in, with those teams. So it was tough. It was honestly tough. Uh, lots of really good teams are just struggling a little bit right now. So what does that mean overall? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm most curious if some of the teams I put in are going to be good enough. I left Clark in my top 25, and we'll talk to Tyler Sims. I kind of like their squad, but they are 25th on my ballot. Well, then keep talking men's basketball. Head up to DeSales Scott Colville has been the head coach there for 31 seasons now and 24 seasons as athletics director. He spent some time as an assistant athletics director prior to that. We will talk to Scott about his team, what's working so well. they got a fascinating team with some really good talent. and We'll dive in with the Bulldogs uh, uh, as well. And then Mary Harden-Baylor, first-year head coach, Katie Nolan-Lenore will join us on the program. She took over, remember, from Mark Moorfield. Um, Well, he took over the program that Mark Moorfield was told to leave at about this point last year. We'll talk to the 15th ranked uh, crew about what is working so well, including obviously one really talented player. But there's a little there. it, It wasn't cut and dry coming in and taking over the program. So we'll talk to Katie about that coming up. We'll just mention the last two segments are all pre-taped. We talked to sales and Mary Harden-Baylor earlier today. Washington, Lee, and Clark will be live. Um, When I was going through the top 25, uh, once again, it was interesting. The top of the top 25 for me, my ballot, rather stable. Bottom, eh, not so much. Middle, not so much. Uh, A couple of things that stood out to me as I was going through things. Trinity, uh, Texas. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong sheet. That was last week's. Uh, Let me start that over again. Um, yeah, so I didn't have a loss in my ballot down to seven, but Trinity, Texas, I wasn't going to bring up Trinity, Texas had an overtime win over Texas Lutheran. I'll be honest. That scared me a little bit. So I moved them down a tad. Mount Union took another loss this time to, I know a good Wilmington team, but I'm a little concerned of what that might be telling us as well. I moved Calvin up. I'm one of those voters who's not as high as others on Calvin. I, I think they're good. I think everybody's good. That's the problem. Um, but a. But a really good win over hope now they had to hold on, but they also didn't fall into the trap and lose the next game after hope. So I moved Calvin up. Trine had a more dominating win over hope. I think hope fell into the trap. Uh, you're up and 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 excited and and up for it to play um, Calvin. Despite a comeback, you can't win that game. And then you go in a little pissed off against Trine and you don't play your best. That's not a knock on Trine. I think Trine's really good. I'm voting for Calvin and Trine within two spots of each other in the top 25. I'm not voting for Hope. Um, Other things that jumped out at me. WashU had a rough weekend. Uh, NYU and Brandeis were losses at home to the Violets and the judges, proving the UAA is a beast of a conference this year. We, remember a couple weeks ago, we were kind of poo-poo, not poo-pooing it. We were just saying maybe it's not going to be as competitive as we thought it was going to be. In the last week, we started changing our tune a little bit, especially me saying, you know, no, it is maybe more competitive than we realized. I think this proved it with uh, Wash U going over. Uh I kept in my top 25, oh, but barely. Platteville had a really strong week. Went 2-0 and with wins over Whitewater and Stout. Clark again lost to Wheaton. Now, I, I didn't expect him to go undefeated in the new Mac, but a loss to WPI, okay. lost to Babson, maybe. Lost to Coast Guard, I can get it. Um, I'm curious what Coach Sims will say about the loss to Wheaton. Randolph Macon really starting to cl- chug along. They beat Shenandoah and Farum, two teams that were surprising many in the ODAC. They each have five losses apiece now. So I move Randolph Macon up, though not as much as the voters did. I think they're in the top 10 now. We'll look at that in a bit. Whitewater, I uh, kept about the same. They lost to Platteville, but according to my ballot, that should have been expected. That's where I get a little weird about some voters. If you had Whitewater behind Platteville and Platteville won, why wouldn't you just leave Whitewater where they are? Cal Lutheran's having a great season, 14-3. and three. Uh, Pretty impressed with that. St. Thomas lost to U Dallas. I kind of removed them from my poll for that. Hood lost to York. I know York's good, but they're not as good as we thought they were going to be this year. So I removed Hood from that. Widener continues to win. Pomona-Pitzer lost to Claremont-Mudd-Scripps, and basically in a, in a move that I needed to get claremont Mud scripps into the ballot, I removed Pomona-Pitzer. Catholic got a win over Wilkes as part of their two wins last week, or the other one being in my alma mater. I uh, moved Catholic up. Uh, I, I got into the ARC mess that we talked about last Monday with Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. You've got Dubuque and Loris and Nebraska Wesleyan and Co. Well, I got uh, three of them in. Loris, Nebraska Wesleyan, and Co. are... Separated by four spots together <laughs> on my ballot. I moved Nebraska-Wesleyan and Loris into my top 25. Virginia-Wesleyan lost by 33 to Guilford. Yes, on my ballot in this case, I had Virginia-Wesleyan expected to lose to Guilford. But by 33, No. So I did remove Virginia Wesleyan from my top twenty-five, and then Williams lost to Amherst. On that, we mentioned Thursday that wacky Wednesday, in uh, where Amherst men defeated Williams, but Williams women defeated Amherst. The flip of both results that you would have expected. So my number one, it continues to be Hampton-Sydney. I got Case Western Reserve as two. John Carroll as three. That top three hasn't moved in a couple of weeks. I now have Oswego four and Guilford five. My last five, if you're curious, or we'll go six because we'll start at 20. I got Co New York University, who's back on my poll, DeSales, who's now in, Claremont-Mudscripts, WashU, and Clark. Those are my last six slots. So there you go. used to... Blog that a lot. I haven't had a lot of time to do that, but we will moving forward. So there's a lot going on in Division Three. We will keep our do our best to stay on top of all of that. Um, apologize to you, those who are listening to the Facebook stream, and it clicked off when our camera went out. Facebook's algorithms are just bonkers. Uh, we'll try and find a better way to work with that, but there you go. We're still live streaming, though, on YouTube, and we appreciate those of you who have jumped on board there. Um, A lot of you tuned in, and I appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will keep uh, rolling along here this evening. Again, a reminder, on Thursday will be a 1 o'clock matinee, and basically all of our shows on Thursdays, except for February 15th, will be 1 o'clock matinees the rest of the season. There will be a Monday coming up that we will possibly have to move to a Tuesday afternoon due to work travel that I have. Um, Also, we are working on the marathon. I kid you not, this has become much more of a a challenge than I was anticipating. Um, Real quick, just so you know, we were looking at January 29th before work came up to do the marathon. Um, Not January 29th, I apologize. Uh, February 1 was where we were looking at doing it. I'm now, I kid you not, looking at either Feb 2, though I got a conflict sitting on that night. I got to check with uh, some people on or we're going to have to figure out how to do it the 29th. Otherwise, we may have to skip it this year. I hate to say that. The only other thought I have is maybe we move it to late in the season, but the only date I've got uh, available that, that would work, to be completely honest, is the 23rd of February, and for multiple reasons, that's a hard no. Actually, I don't even think I can do it that day, because I think I'm, I might be... Am I working? No, I'm not working. Oh, I could be working. Um... So that's a hard no on Feb 23. So we're, we've, we're running out of dates. Uh, the only other option I've thought of is maybe doing a Tuesday show when we just do one show for the whole week, um, just due to work. So i got to figure that out in the next couple of days, and we'll let you know. Marathon in trouble. Um, we usually use it as part of our fundraising efforts, so we'll have to kick off our fundraising efforts possibly just without that show uh, leading up to the end of February is where our, our, those efforts continue. So there you go, a little bit of helter-skelter first block. I hope you don't mind. Uh, a lot to talk about, though, in Division Three. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking to guests. We'll start with the generals. We'll head down to Lexington, Virginia, and talk to the women's basketball program there. Christine Clancy joins us, despite our tweet earlier. It's not Clark, it's Clancy. We'll talk to her about what is going so right in Lexington, Virginia, and why she's excited about her team and what they may be able to do this season. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the Hoopsville Studios. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media.
1: I used to never really talk, ever.
0: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades, from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com
5: If I lose, I'll respond with respect.
6: If I win, I'll back it up with humility.
5: If I fail,
3: I'll rise up with honor.
5: It's tough for us to put it all on the line.
3: Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect, it's the name of the game.
2: Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed
4: to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
0: Sorry about that, folks. Uh, <laughs> tech issues. Uh, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Didn't realize the audio wasn't running on the ad there, but all good. We got most of it done. Thanks to the WBCA for their support, as always. Talking women's basketball, Washington and Lee women's basketball, having a tremendous season this year. Of course, building off of a 22-7 campaign last year, a 20-7 and 7 campaign the year before that. Both times, they went 16-2 and 2 in conference action, Last year, they got into the NCAA tournament thanks to their ODAC play, but Oshkosh, in a close game against a powerful team, uh, got the win, 58-55. The year before that, got into the NCAA tournament as well. But NYU, Aaron ceremoniously showed them the exit door at a tune of 71-61. I have a feeling they'd like to do better than that should they get the opportunity. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline it is the head coach of W&L it's Christine Clancy coach first and foremost again the consistency here and the and the, ex, the how well you're playing is to be commended but thanks for coming on as well this is why I wanted you on I want to talk about just how great this program's doing
4: well thanks for having me on Dave. we're, we're excited about how we're playing um, so far this season obviously still have a lot of basketball left to play and um you know, we still have a, a lot of young young players contributing big minutes for us. So we're still learning and growing. And, um, you know, I, I think we have a, a big upside that we haven't even tapped into yet. I'll get to that in
0: a minute. We were talking a little bit about the past, not to dwell on it, but I am curious. And again, in the last couple of years, do well in the, in, in the ODAC tournament for the most part. You get into the tournament, I, I think in the AQ both times. And you run into two behemoth programs, you know, storied programs that are doing very well. The NYU Violets two years ago, of course, uh, the Oshkosh Titans uh, last year. But good close games. Are you able to take away from those games that listen? We're in it. We're just at, you know half a step or a step away from being able to go further, or has it gotten to the point where you got beat down twice? it kind of hurts and stings a little bit that it it'd be tough to take that a third hit
4: no i mean i think we're excited uh the the first time we got in um two years ago uh, and went to nyu that was um as an at-large um and it was the first time i had taken the program to the ncaa tournament going to you know new york city um Playing. We were playing at St. Francis. Uh, it was a, a quick and exciting turnaround road trip um, from getting knocked out in the semifinals of the ODAC tournament to right, you know, being revived. Right. Yeah. So um, you know that was a really good, exciting experience for us. We went down there and you know just gave it our best shot. Really competed well in the um, in the first half, and I mean it was it was a game for. At least the first three quarters, NYU started to separate kind of to finish out the game. Uh, but we showed ourselves that we we belonged at that level for sure. Um, and then last year, you know, we won the ODAC championship. So we got the AQ, um, which is a much more relaxing way to watch the um, selection show for sure. When you can just sit and say, where are we going instead of are we, you know,
7: yeah. Our fair still
4: continuing. Um, you know, and the, the Oshkosh team was good and, and, um, you know, had a program that's been in that position a little bit more than we had. Um, and I think it took us the first half to realize that, you know what, we really belong on this court. Um, we were leaning on a lot of first years, um, for that game. So it, it was, it was a little bit of a, you know, learning opportunity for us in that first half. And then honestly, that game could have gotten either way down the stretch. It was, you know, a couple of close calls here and there. Um, and, it, you know, it could have been us playing Ohio Northern that next day. So it, it's leaving us really hungry. We, we know that we belong at that level. Um, and so it's, it's a big goal for us to, you know, get that win in the NCAA tournament. And, and really, you know, we'd love to have an opportunity to play the second weekend.
0: Yeah, I should have read the, uh, the, the calendar or the schedule better. If I only see two Salem Civic Center games, then I should have known that wasn't the championship. Three means it's a championship. Interesting enough, both times against Shenandoah, you yep. lost in the semis, you beat them in the title game. Interesting enough, two games ago, oh, it was Shenandoah again. That seems to be the, the burr in your side a little bit. It, from all out dominance of this conference, Shenandoah seems to be the one that, that keeps having to be the hurdle.
4: Yeah, I mean they're they're a tough team that really steps up in big games and big moments. Um they play really well at the Salem Civic Center. I think that's their second home. Um they really excel down there. Uh, you know, so they're they're a great team. I mean, Melissa Smeltercraft does a really good job with, with that program and um they're always, uh, you know, circling our name on their schedule for sure and, and coming out and giving us their best shot. Um, you know, and we we played a tough game against them on Wednesday. Um, really, we played really stagnant kind of in the first half. We ended up getting down by 15 to start the third quarter and then made a run all the way back, took the lead, and then it was back and forth. Um, ended up losing it by one. So. Um, Really good battle between the two teams and always fun to, to play them.
0: Only the second loss of the season. Uh, looking at it, I don't think you get them. Okay, so you've got them on the one off this year uh, yeah. as part of the ODAC. Uh, you know, double round against uh, two thirds and one round against a third. Your other loss came to Emory, who's a really good team 86 78. You go through this, you have wins over uh, Marymount. You have uh, a loss to Emory. You've got wins over some conference foes. You've got a win over a center squad and an Oglethorpe team uh, back in the conference play, playing well. A win over Mary Washington, who's been a little bit um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde this year, but that's still a solid win. And a win over Randolph-Macon, who in the last few years has also been really good in the conference, which puts you guys at basically a half game up on Shenandoah. You've just played more games than they have at this yep. point. And a solid Game and a half up on Randolph Macon. I know there's a lot to play for, but to be at this juncture of the season and be up there with a single loss has got to be something you're, you're all happy with.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're we're we want to win the the regular season championship, um, you know. And obviously, that loss to Shenandoah, only playing them once, gives them the tiebreaker over us. Um, but you know, we can only control what what we have in front of us. So, um, you know, we're happy to be in the spot that we're in right now and, you know, just trying to look one game down the road and, and take care of business on Wednesday.
0: Looking at this team, not surprising for a W and L team. You collect them from around the country to some degrees, your collection from around the country. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about your, your background and, and how you got to this point, but uh, Maryland, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, Florida, New Jersey, South Carolina, and North Carolina, New Jersey again, Arkansas. Um, it obviously is a school that you can recruit to from a larger population, but I also know where Lexington's located. It's not exactly next to any major metropolis. is it a is it a bit of an art to get them to come to W now?
4: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's a it's a niche um, that we have to. Figure out, but you know every school has their has their challenges. We have a, a fabulous academic program, a great business school, beautiful campus. Um, we have a lot working for us. Great facilities. Um, you know, obviously, we're not in a city, so if you want to go to a city, this is not this is not the place for you. But um, you know, we find a, a lot of you know great young women that want to pursue academics at a high level. Um, Especially people who are interested in the business school, um, and then want to compete at a high level, and it's it's been a fun journey too, just to see how this program has grown since I since I took over. So always looking for campus. people to push the envelope. <laughs> the
0: key is to get them on campus because it's a gorgeous, gorgeous campus.
4: Absolutely, yeah, it really is.
0: Uh, I want to talk a lot about a lot of the players in this team, but there is zero chance you can look at a W and L roster and their stat sheet and say, well, I, I wonder how this team clicks. Because there's a sophomore <laughs> listed as a forward guard center, by the way. Stop it. Um, I, I realize she can probably play it all, but we got to choose one of them uh, for her. But Mary Schlossner... Say that right, I hope? Schleissner. Schleissner. Okay. Oh, yep. okay. Interesting. Yep. I I've seen EU before, and I don't <laughs> get an eye out of it, but that's cool. 21.6 a game. Shooting 54% from the floor. She shoots... Uh, She's pulling down nearly 15 rebounds a contest. Uh, She's got the third most assists, I believe, though everybody hands out the ball, and she is absolutely crushing it on blocks. Uh, Roughly, quick math, it's about three per contest. Wow, there's a lot of numbers there, and there's a few that jump out too that I, I know you'd like to see better, like the free throw percentage, but... When you're scoring 21 plus, pulling down 15 boards, you're handing out assists and you're hitting blocks. That is a wrecking machine.
4: Yeah. She's a special player. Um, a really special uh player to watch too. Um, you can't watch Mary play without seeing just the the joy and the and the passion that she has for the game and her teammates. I mean, she's always smiling. She's she's just a lot of fun um to be around. And and I mean, I know we have coaches on um, you know, our football staff that that travel to some of our games because they just love, you know, watching that energy. Um come out of her. I mean, she's a great athlete. Obviously Um, the numbers that she's putting up are because, you know, she works hard and she's, um, she's talented, but what makes her really special is, is just the joy that she plays with. I mean, it's just so much fun to watch her play.
0: She was a fourth team all preseason, all America preseason for us. No surprise there. Um, Just the numbers that she put up last year alone she was the co rookie of the year for the region honorable all america for wbca and national rookie of the year for us so obviously the cat was out of the bag and what i find impressive is that she is she's doing uh, essentially better um than she was previously last year she was averaging 14.2 points a game and pulling down 12 boards now she's at 21 6 and 14.7 it's one thing to improve as a player. It's another to have all these accolades that say you are one of the best that anybody's going to face and she's better than she was last year and you still can't stop her.
4: Yeah. I mean, again, she's special. That's why she's listed as forward guard center because coach, when when you watch her play, Though When you watch her play, she's going to get the, the block. She's going to get the defensive board. She's going to lead the break. She's going to kick it out to a shooter. She's going to post up, and she's going to get an offensive board. So oh, she's doing I get it. I've everything. seen it.
0: It's impressive yeah. as heck. But Magic Johnson wasn't listed as a as a guard forward or center.
4: <laughs> Depends on who she's on the court with.
0: No, I know. I, I'm just having some fun. It's just I, I'm used to, you know, forward center or guard forward. I, I'm very used to all of those. I have never in my division three life seen it all three positions. I'm surprised you didn't put W down for wing. Um <laughs> it, maybe you, you could know, Yeah, I P- just P- gave you a P- bad P- idea. There. Will, Sydney, I apologize now. Um <laughs> Tell me a little bit about getting her, Charlotte, North Carolina native, just watching her play, I'd be stunned if she didn't have offers at a higher division. what What was it about enticing her to come the WNL and getting her to, to play for your squad?
4: Well I mean there's there's different layers to this. Um, one of the biggest being her mom is an alum of WL. Um, So there was already that connection to Debbie which certainly doesn't hurt, Um, you know, but she was, she was debating whether she wanted to play basketball in college. Um, So she was kind of late to the game, deciding that maybe she did want to play. So she was getting interest, but... She wasn't sure if that's that's really what she wanted to do. Um, What really I think sold her about W&L is the ability to do sort of have that full college experience. She has the athletic ability to play at the D1 level. but. You know, she wants to be able to take the classes that she wants to take, to have an opportunity to study abroad, to be in a sorority, to be in clubs. Um, so I, knowing that she could balance it, she she's not someone who wants to do basketball all the time. Um, she's definitely... Like much more well-rounded than that, she's she wants to be able to do a lot of different things. So having basketball feel like it's kind of a full-time job to her was was not something that she was really interested in. So um, she, you know, she wants to what we sometimes talk the about, stars <laughs> She
0: she wants what we talk about in Division Three. She wants to be a student athlete. Absolutely, perfect, Absolutely. perfect, yep. Selja. I love it. By the way, there is a the rest of this team. <laughs> uh, Hannah Malik. Uh, 13.3 points a game on top of all that, by the way. Quinn McGinnis pulls in seven points. Uh, Elka uh, Preschel pulls in, uh, hold on, lost it, six points a game. There's several who pull in four to five points a game. Uh, Don't forget Lauren Actor. She's pulling down six and a half boards, so when Mary doesn't get them, she'll get them. A lot of blocks. I I mentioned this earlier. There's a lot of assists. There's like five players with 30 or more assists. You distribute this ball well. You by this, the stats on it, you clearly are a team-orientated group despite the accolades and, and success of Mary. Tell me a little bit about how everybody else gels and who else is, is on this team that kind of makes it such a dangerous squad.
4: Yeah, well, I, I mean, you mentioned Hannah Malik, who she just um, got her 1,000th point um, in our last game, which was which was awesome for her. You know, she's a senior who had her first year was that COVID year, so... Um, it was, it was exciting for her to get that. Um, but her senior leadership and experience definitely um, is a huge factor in our success. Um, you know, she's, she has the ability to score in a variety of ways from the guard position, um, very good shooter. Um, you know, and then beyond that, we have just a lot of balance and people who are bought into just playing team basketball. We like to push the tempo and when you're running the floor, um, you know, it's just finding that open open teammate kicking it ahead, um, not being afraid to, to kick it out to shooters. We'll shoot the three in transition. Um, you know, so I think that that's a way that it gets kind of everyone involved when we're pushing that tempo, we're not necessarily a team that's going to sit in the half court and and draw up plays just for Mary um, or just for Hannah. You know, we, we really like to to push the, push the tempo, spread the floor, move the ball and and get the best shot that we can as a team.
0: You're in the top 40 in Division Three in assists per game. You're number three in the country in blocks per contest. Number 18 in free throw attempts per game. Uh, top 25 in free throws made per game. Top 13 points scored. Uh, top five in margin of rebounds. Uh, you're second best in Division Three in defensive rebounds. And you're second best in overall rebounds per game, Uh, 21st in scoring offense, 22nd in scoring margin, your ninth in three-point field goal percentage. There's a lot of things that are really working out. What's been the season like up until this point? You got the Shenandoah loss, obviously, and we mentioned the Emory loss. What's working so well on the offensive and defensive floors, and is there more to still work on as you turn the corner and look at the final seven, eight regular season games and hopefully three games in Salem?
4: Yeah, I mean there's always you can always get better. Um and if you look at our numbers, we probably are you know kind of high in the country in terms of number of turnovers per game. So <laughs> um that's definitely an area that we need to work on just taking better care of the basketball. Um you know when you play fast, obviously you're going to turn the ball over some. Um we want Yeah, Yeah,
0: to- 259th in the country, 7th in the conference. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, 18.6 a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But as you said though, the pace of your play though kind of warrants that a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And and we we want them to play free. We want them to take risks. Um, you know, and I I think to to really. Um, Succeed at a high level in the postseason, especially we need to be able to handle pressure situations better and and really execute in the half court a little bit better. Um, We can't just rely on on trying to score in transition. Um, When you get down to those nitty gritty games, you got to kind of grind it out and and find really good looks. in the half court so that's definitely an area we're working on we'd also like we have really good athletes and and some really long quick defenders so that's another part of our game that we're working on to try to you know we're turning it over we gotta get our opponents to turn it over a little bit more and, and take a little bit more um, more chances on that end Gang our hands on some balls and getting some deflection, steals, all of that. So I'd say taking care of the ball and then creating more turnovers on the other end are are two things that I think we can really work on.
0: Quick side note, I found it interesting earlier you mentioned that Shenandoah, it's like their second home at the Salem Civic Center, though they got to drive all the way down 81. You guys get to spend the night in your own bed, I would assume, because you're 45 minutes to an hour away from the Civic Center. When you get to do it, we got to experience that energy when the men's soccer program made the Final Four this year mm-hmm. in Salem, Virginia. I know people were hoping they make the title game. That place would have come unglued had that been it. But you've got a, a really good fan base. They love to travel, and being that close for a tournament has got to work out to your benefit more times than not.
4: Sometimes it's it's tough. A lot of times that um, the ODAC tournament, Lines up with a break that we have.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
4: We, so often our our students are actually on break, and our spring sports are traveling for spring. Right, break they're time. somewhere else. So it's it is close, but it's not it's not really a home environment for us like it was for men's soccer in that that moment. Um, maybe this year, maybe we can get some more people down there. Um, no, they, they I think no, can camps out there. They like they stay there all week though. Settle <laughs> <So You might laughs> in. I understand. Hey,
0: quick about you, because I find, uh, I know we're going a little long on time here, but I found uh, your background a little bit interesting. For those who don't know, you're a Brandeis grad, so you know all about the UAA. Uh, Then you went, uh, let's see if I get this right, you went to Smith after that to get your post-grad. So you got to coach at a pretty good level there with a really good coach at Smith. Then you went to Colby for a little while. You eventually became interim head coach. You got, what, you were, Hold on. 22 and 6 is the interim head coach of the 2010-2011 season. And interestingly enough, you left for WNL for an assistant job, right?
4: I wasn't hired as the head coach, so
0: Okay, that's why I wasn't I, was. I couldn't remember. I yeah, I yeah. couldn't remember what happened there. Okay. So you came what drew you to W&L? being basically a New England lady who who certainly knows the cold of the winter and the weather up there and basketball in that neck of the woods, what drew you to to Lexington, Virginia and, and has made it stick?
4: Um, you know, when I came down here, part of the reason I ended up here was um, I came as the assistant for my first year at W.L. and uh, and the head coach, Mandy King, who's now the head at Keene. Um She grew up in Maine. I grew up in Maine. We had a lot of connections. Uh, We didn't know each other, but we had a lot of overlapping connections. Um, It was another high academic, small liberal arts college, kind of right in my wheelhouse. Um, Came down here thinking, you know, I'll be here for a year or two and then I'll go back to New England. Um, But then I realized, you know what, it's a lot warmer down here. (laughs) The snow melts. Um, it's a beautiful campus. It's, it really fits my, my pace of life. Um, it just, I don't know, it fit. And, and she, she took that opportunity at Keene and this job opened and, um, yeah, it just worked out. Sometimes the universe puts, puts you where you're supposed to be.
0: I couldn't figure, find out where, where were you in Maine?
4: Um, I, I went to Yarmouth high school, um, so i grew up in in yarmouth maine right by portland
0: yep i know it well i spent yeah. a good chunk of my time up and down east so yeah you're called northern massachusetts i believe that's what we call that section of maine no that's i can't. Maine. i can't i love <laughs> I mean, that i love visiting that state It is a great time now i appreciate the time coach this is I love your team, and I, I don't watch them enough, to be completely honest. Hoping to catch a little bit more as we move forward. you got some great talent. Looking forward to seeing what you can do, and I know you want to break through past the first round. We certainly wish you luck. Uh, by the way, there's something about W&L heading to NYU to play tournament games, if anyone knows what I'm talking about in women's soccer. Yeah. And there's something <laughs> a little weird about that. we got to get you away from the NYUs. Um, yeah. Maybe you get the host if you guys are in a good enough spot. Uh, we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in?
4: Um, well, first I want to thank you for having me on, and and then I just say tune in, watch WNL women's basketball. We're a lot of fun to fun to watch. Um, we'll always be entertaining. Doesn't mean we're we're gonna play our best, but we're, we're always entertaining. We're always worth the worth the watch.
0: Entertaining's fine. Uh, hey, enjoy it. Tell Chris McHugh I said hi because you know, it's all about the McHugh's. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road, coach.
4: All right. Thanks.
0: Christine Clancy joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Good team to watch, really. Uh, I know some of those numbered guys out there uh, sit there and find reasons to maybe say, you know, this or that. I love watching WNL. It's fun to watch them. And, and Mary is a good player, man, as a sophomore. Bring him back as a sophomore. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll actually head to New England We'll talk to Tyler Sims, head coach of the Cougars of Clark. Who were ranked? Not ranked, but I know they got unfinished business as well. We'll talk to the uh, we'll talk to the Cougars when we come back.
5: For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division three student athletes, it's more than that—a lot more.
0: Sure,
3: the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team.
5: That is why NCAA Division three teamed up with Special Olympics and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference.
4: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety,
1: and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the
4: good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
6: Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an
7: obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person.
3: There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only two percent would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable.
0: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades, from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
7: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
5: I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me.
7: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three.
5: I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
0: The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along on this show on the 22nd of January, I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, if you're watching us on the bottom of your screen, you'll find plenty of information on how you can tune in and watch us on this show. Please uh, interact with us as well. We'll certainly uh, try and answer email questions or whatever may be out there. If you're interacting with us on our YouTube or Facebook pages, we'll certainly interact that way. Or on the social media uh, side of things, I know. Uh we've got it up and running. I don't see any mentions just yet. Um at least nothing to jump out at, as it were. Just going up to men's basketball now, we're heading to New England. We were just talking about New England. we were with Christine Clancy, the head coach at WNL. The Clark men's basketball team, someone we we saw out at the D3hoops.com Classic impressed Mia out of Worcester Mass. They are Doing well, 14 and 4 on the season. They are now tied, though, with WPI in the new Mac standings at 8 and 1, though they have a win over WPI for the tiebreaker currently. They just licking their wounds a little bit, coming off of a loss on the road at Wheaton Mass, 68 66. And they've got some interesting tests ahead of them, including Babson, Coast Guard, WPI still to be played. This conference race, though, is WPIs and Clarks. Don't be wrong, but. There's plenty who are going to want to spoil the party. So, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about it all is the aforementioned head coach of the Clark Cougars. It's Tyler Sims, Coach. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
6: Uh, thanks again for having me, Dave. Really appreciate being on.
0: The New Mac race is always an interesting one. Um, I think this year is a little bit more head scratchy to me. You've got yourselves and WPI at the top at eight and one, and then it's four and four Coast Guard, four and five. Um, Wheaton, Salve, Babson, and Emerson, then Springfield three and six, MIT one and eight. If anybody three, four years ago were looking at the Mac, and I were to tell them that MIT would be at one and eight in conference play, Springfield would be three and six, Babson would be four and five, and you guys would be eight and one, I think they'd probably think I'd lost my
6: freaking mind.
0: This conference has kind of gotten a little topsy turvy to some degree, and you've taken full advantage of it.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's a great it's a great conference uh, historically uh, the last several years. I mean, as you mentioned, Larry Anderson has done a great job at MIT. I think they won like 11 or 12 years of – 11 or 12 seasons of 20-plus wins, you know. And coming in my first year, 2019-20, uh, uh, we had four teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, Coast Guard upset as a five seed, and we had three at-large bids. Uh, we had three tournament teams my second year. Um, you know, so it's just been a really strong conference for for a long time. Um, you know, in Final Fours and such, and and Clark's been up there. We've had 16 NCAA tournaments, uh, six Elite Eight appearances, and two national ga- national championship game appearances. Uh, plus, we're at 27 NCAA tournament victories, which is top 20 all time in D3 hoops history. So, um, yeah, I mean, I believe uh, again in our conference, and I believe in our university and our basketball program has been historically really successful. So. You know, for me and for us, the last few years, you know, we've been working and competing in a really good conference against really good teams, and we found success this year. And and a lot of it's due to just the great student athletes that we have in our program. And you know, they work really hard, and and are talented as well. uh, But they do great stuff off the court too, which I'd love to touch upon at some point. So yeah, I mean, happens when you have really good student athletes that compete really hard, and you have a program administration that wants to be really good and has been really good. So I think that mixture is has been good for us. And um yeah, we're really looking forward obviously, to the future as well. Cause eight and one's great and 14 and four and talking with you is, is, is great. Uh, but we haven't, we haven't won yet nearly the level that, you know, I'm here for, and, and I know our guys are here for too. So we have a lot of, a lot of room to grow and, you know, we, have, we haven't reached our ceiling yet at all. So um yeah, that's what exciting. That's the exciting part though.
0: Yeah. You kind of hit on where I, I kind of what I wanted to touch on the most Clark's got a rich, history as a basketball program for those who aren't familiar in division 3 and and no knock on things but since you know I can look on the d3hoops.com um, um, past records thing where we have them going back to 0607 until the last couple of years there's nothing that jumps out at anyone um, there's a lot of near 500 seasons uh, back in the 0607 through 12 you know 13 14 campaigns then things kind of fell on tougher times, and right before you came, they'd only won nine games in two seasons. You come in, first season's an eight-win campaign. The f- season after the pandemic's an 18-win season. Last year, a 15-win season, and already we're sitting with a program that's 14-4 and this year. Obviously, the program's headed back to that historical point, which you're obviously familiar with having been in New England and played in New England yourself. But that's a lot of baggage in between that you had to shake off – Maybe some rust as well. Was it about rebuilding? Was it about rethinking things through for a program that has so much history that maybe they didn't appreciate how that can be to their benefit?
6: It's, it's, um, I'm not sure the, the verb that you'll use or the adjective, I guess, in there. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's about us just, um, you know, bringing in one really good players. You know, I mean, I'm not John Wooden or Brad Stevens, you know, so, you know, you're, you're going to win with great players. And with that, though, is high character student athletes that fit our mission as a university and what we believe in, you know, at Clark and here at Worcester. We have a great campus, you know, second biggest city in New England. You know, so there's a lot of things here in place, plus the history that I already mentioned, where, you know, it's kind of a sleeping giant in that way, where, you know, you bring in some really good players. Our alumni have been amazing. You know, we have, we have unbelievable alumni that, again, are passionate um, Kevin Clark just retired, a longtime Division One coach. Was the coach here? Fourteen hundred and fifty rebounds, by the way. Multiple time All American uh, at Clark, and Wally Hallis, the old the coach that was here, also a Clark alum, came back um, with a number of other alumni, you know, to celebrate Kevin Clark um, last Thursday. You know, so it's just that passion, um, that belief in from our alumni as well as our administration, uh, mixed with again, it, it's it's a, it's about student athletes. So. You know, there's different things that we have to we had to do, um, you know, to grow as a program, uh, to invest in the student athletes and to make sure that they're taken care of. And, you know, I give a ton of credit to any success that we've had so far to, you know, Mikey O'Brien and Jordan Richard, our two seniors that were in our first recruiting class, um, you know, because they believed when it was a, you know, just looking at the record as a 4 win team, you know, and they believed in the future and what we were what we have as a university, what we have to offer as a university. And, you know, they've been unbelievable for our culture, never mind, you know, the the numbers on the court and their production on the court, you know, so it's just getting the right student athletes in here and mix that with, again, our administration that want to be, that wants to be successful and our alumni that are passionate. And, you know, I think that's the kind of the recipe that we've been able to develop and, and lead, led to the success we've had so far.
0: Yeah, if it works, it works. And, and clearly it's working. Uh, by the way, Brad Stevens, John Wooden, same sentence. Don't think, listen, hats off to Brad Stevens. All credit in the world to the D3 man. But I don't think I've ever heard the, him in the same reference as John Wooden. But I get your point. Certainly. That's hey, a I'm good a
6: Massachusetts one. guy, you know, so I got to be biased. to no, oh, and, oh, in and a and I saw where that came from. Oh, uh, in a heartbeat, I saw where that
0: came from. For those who don't remember, he's the Celtics general manager now after a very successful time as head coach of uh, the Celts. Um, Let's talk about this season. We'll get back to the team and individuals here in a moment. But let's talk about the season. Off to a 5-0 start. Wins over Bates and Middlebury, Baruch, Anna Maria, Roger Williams. Then a really tough game on the road at Tufts. You lost it. But I think that kind of let everybody understand, especially as we understand how good Tufts is, that this was a Clark team that was going to be in the conversation. Got back to winning ways for three. And then we saw you in Vegas You know, everybody talks about Trinity Texas coming out of that undefeated and looking so good like they did in the second game. You guys were a heartbeat away from winning that game. You really took it to the Tigers. You played almost your style most of that game. Unfortunately, you came out of the the event with two losses, but you played tough against Case Western Reserve, too. Did that do a lot to help you all understand that you can play at that level?
6: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That was huge for us. Um, you know, it, it was disappointing, the results, obviously, um, of those two games, you know, but they, it was unbelievable to play against two really good programs. Um, you know, Coach Smith does a great job and Coach McGinnis does a great job at Trinity and Case, respectively. Um, you know, so it just gave us an opportunity to compete at the highest level and prove to ourselves, you know, that we are we are a really good team, you know, when we play that way, but also it showed us what we have to work on as well. You know, it showed us a little bit of things that we got exposed. Um, You know, Trinity is obviously an unbelievable defense, unbelievable volunteer, but their defensive efficiency, defensive numbers are really, really strong. And, you know, we were able to score and and be effective against them. Just one defensive rebound, probably away from uh, uh, winning that game. Um, You know, in the case, Western, you know, I mean, we put up 87 points and lost by 11, Um, you know, and again, efficiency-wise, the number one offense in the country, so, you know, that definitely exposed some things defensively for us, but, um, yeah, it really helped us, you know, coming back and playing at Babson, you know, our first New Mac game afterwards, um, you know, where we could have hung our heads and, you know, been upset because the results in Vegas didn't work for us, um, but we took that as a learning experience, and we were able to execute down the stretch against Babson in a really close game and get a couple stops, and and that led us to a, uh, to a really good road victory, and and then kind of going through the, the new Mac sense, um, obviously, with a disappointing loss against Wheaton, but another really good team, um, you know, there with Brian Walmsley. So, uh, yeah, it absolutely helped us prepare. Um, again, the results definitely were disappointing uh, in Vegas, but that was a huge experience for us uh, from the basketball standpoint. And definitely overall from the overall experience with with the tournament, and how it run in Vegas, too. So,
4: yeah.
0: Yeah. I I I thought you guys, despite zero and two, played really well. I mean, not many teams have taken Case Western that or gone that high scoring against them, and, and you kind of can't. You made runs at them on several occasions that I think made it interesting. And again, that Trinity game, that's that's a shot here or a shot there away from being a completely different result. You mentioned the win over Babson. You then continued on to win against Coast Guard Emerson, and then you got the win over WPI. That was a game I certainly had circled, especially coming out of Vegas. Because I, was, I thought coming out of there, especially the way WPI was playing at the time, I had a feeling that this conference, and I've said it on the show, was now going to go through Clark. It's still going to go through Worcester, Mass., just a, just a different school uh, in Worcester, Mass. You get the win there. You win over MIT. You win over Springfield. And then, as you mentioned, you stub your toe on Wheaton. I literally want to ask this. What was the juxtaposition between the WPI game and the Wheaton game was it just the ball didn't bounce the right way, or were there certain things you did really well with WPI that they just didn't work out against Wheaton?
6: It's a, it's a great question, Dave. Um, I, I don't know if there's a comparison necessarily to the to the two games. You know, I think um, you know both are really good games. Everyone in the New Mac, you know, despite the records, wherever the records are, um, the New Mac again, as I mentioned before, is a really really strong conference. So, um, you know, we played well against WPI in. Spurts. You know, I wouldn't say we played a complete 40 minutes there. Um, but as you mentioned, too, it's kind of about our style and how we play. Um, we have an unofficial mantra that we've kind of adopted in our in our in our program. And this year really is it's about us. And we feel like if we can play our style, our game for 40 minutes or a majority of those 40 minutes, we feel pretty good about that, uh, no matter who we're playing against. And I think that's been proven, uh, as you mentioned, in those those previous games, you know, 18 so far this season. You know, and so WPI. I think we were able to play a majority of that game in our style, our pace, and we were able to open it up a little bit, spread it. Um, you know, I'm going to steal a, a Tobin Anderson line um, after he beat um, Purdue last year with FDU. Is 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 style make fights? You know, so I think that's um, you know that's helped us in a lot of a lot of matchups. Um, you know, where we and they played a great game. You know, all credit again goes to them and, and, and Coach Walmsley uh, the other night. With, with that game, I thought we didn't play our game and that was due to some of the adjustments that may, they made and, you know, some shots that we didn't make, you know, that they kind of forced us into. Um, and then again, we didn't get a stop down the end of the stretch that could have gone to overtime and would have made that game a little bit different, perhaps. Um, but either way, um, I, we feel good about games when we play our style. So if there's a commonality kind of looking at those two games, you know, I think one was a little bit more our style than than the other.
0: You had the game lead on WPI coming into that. Now you're tied with them. Obviously, you have a game left to play with them and pretty much everybody else in conference. Is it because of the and loss now? Is there a little bit more pressure? That that little bit of separation that you had is gone? Granted, it's just you and WPI for the most part. Everybody else is, is several games back. But is there more pressure moving forward, or is it the same pressure?
6: Yeah, I mean, we um, we could control what we can control. You know, so so we look at, hey, can we have a great practice today, which I I believe we did? You know, can we have a great one tomorrow preparing for a really good Salve Regina team on Wednesday? Um, You know, so. Not looking further beyond tomorrow's practice and and preparing for Salve Regina. Um, You know, we're we're not thinking. Yes, we know these banners behind me, you know, um, signify the internal standards of our program. And as I mentioned, we don't shy away from that in recruiting. We don't shy away from that in our program, um, you know. But we understand that we don't we don't look at that as the sole goal of the season, you know, or or, or what we're looking at consistently. We're looking at tomorrow and can we get better tomorrow? Um, can we get better to win the next game? That's that's in front of us. And if we play our style again, we feel pretty good about that. So, however, it works out in the conference, it'll work out. But again, we're we're a confident team and we believe in ourselves. And I think that's a byproduct of the tough, hardworking kids, because, you know, we've, we compete every day in practice. And I I think all 18 games, even though for having made shots or whatever it is, we've competed really hard in all 18 and you can't ask much more from our, from our guys than that.
0: You've got 10 juniors or seniors on this team, but just three seniors. So seven juniors and the starting five, which has been the same starting five the entire season is four juniors. I'm sorry. It's not all juniors. There's a, a couple of, there's a sophomore in there as well and a senior. So my point is, this is a team, while you have three seniors, who's really built still to learn from this year and continue to get better into next year. Um, you're led by Bruce Sanlis, uh, 17.2 points a game, nearly six rebounds a contest. Second, Third on the team, I'm sorry, in assists. Isaiah Taylor, 15 points a game, four rebounds a contest. He leads the team in assists at 65 total. Kakoa McArdle, which is one of my favorite names, Uh, especially out in Vegas. It was one of my favorites. Uh, He pulls down 14 points a game and nearly a double-double. He's at 9.7 boards a contest. Uh, Hands out 30 assists himself. Uh, Reed Newman and Mikey O'Brien round out the scoring at 7.5, 6.9 on that starting unit uh, with O'Brien, the second on the team in assist. That core five, from what I saw, really is the core five. You've got a lot of players you play in Pigeon, uh, Richard, Calabrese and Clark, among others, certainly off the bench. Those four almost in every single game. But that core five really felt like uh, the 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 true mix of this team, the true essence of what is going to work or not work. It starts with those guys.
6: Yeah, I mean, that's the group that we've had together uh, the last few years. Um, again, kind of coming out of COVID and the first two recruiting classes um, you know, that we were able to bring in here. Um, that's the, that's kind of the core, um, Mikey O'Brien is the only one that's graduating and, and, um, he got a great consultant or a job in a consulting firm in Chicago. So I'm really happy for Mikey and he's going to do great things and have a great career, um, you know, there, but, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, everybody else is returning, you know, even the senior other senior, Jordan Richards. So it's a, um, it's definitely a core that's going to be together for a little bit longer, um, as well, you know, but as you mentioned, Reed Newman as a sophomore has started every game um, in his two years, I think maybe senior year last year, he didn't start, but you know, it's played a ton. And then, you know, Quentin Pridgeon and Chris Clark, you know, bring a ton of toughness uh to our program and defensive ability and mindset and and just competition, you know, which again we love and that's what we thrive in uh, every day in practice. We thrive with competition, everything we do, you know. So those guys just contribute, you know, um at a really high level if they're not starting or not maybe the production as the five that you mentioned. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the way we play, you know, our depth is really, really important. Um, our ability to play different positions and have be versatile is really, really important. You know, Co. as you mentioned, is putting up unbelievable numbers and I'm biased, but I think he's one of the best bigs in the region. And, um, you know, but when we take him out and, you know, go a little bit smaller and space the floor, we're really, really dangerous and have an extremely efficient, uh, you know, plus minus there, too. You know, so it's just a, for us to be able to play different ways, play different styles, um, you know, compete at a high level with no matter who's on the floor. That's what we pride ourselves in a program. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely talk more about those guys individually, but I think it's the collection of them uh, that that makes us dangerous and, and makes us really the best team that we can be is when we can play different ways and, you know. Um, I've alluded to a little bit on social media, but we've had three different players that have received Offensive Player of the Week um, nominations or, or recognition in our conference. You know, and, and that's just you can't focus on one guy. You know, um, you have different people who can hurt you any night. And, and again, having different people that can play different positions, guard different positions, really gives that versatility that makes us um, adaptable to, to different teams and whatever they present to us.
0: I don't think I fully appreciated it when I was there. It might have been 14 games in four days with 12 happening in two. Uh, that may have had a f- part of this, but you mentioned it there. It's that you remove a piece like a McArdle, and now you don't have maybe that huge presence in the block, but now you morph into something completely different, and you don't play the same necessarily, but you don't let up. You know, it's 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 just a. It's almost like the, a transformer, <laughs> for lack of a better description.
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, being versatile, again, is, is huge. I think that's where basketball is, you know, kind of positional as basketball. You know, you want guys who play different spots and do different things on the floor, you know, so when you can have guards that can drive but also space it, you know, wings that are tough enough to rebound but also, you know, play off a handoff or off a down screen. Um, you know, Co. has got unbelievable skill as much as a back-to-the-basket guy. He's got great skill. He's an unbelievable passer, as you alluded to, with his assists. You know, so just having guys who are versatile um, but also just – Again, how we play is, is toughness, you know, is, is tough, hard playing guys. And and that's why I love our guys is, is that's, you know, that's who they are. You know, again, every day in practice and the 18 opportunities that we've had to compete so far is they've they've really gotten after it. And, you know, the results haven't always gone our way. And we've been really close in a few of those matchups that we would love to, you know, close out in, in one way or another. Um, you know, but I, I, I'll go to war with our guys every day because they're one, they're great kids you know I, I love them off the court they're doing great great stuff and and two they compete every day so you know i'll uh, I'll, I'll ride with that and the results will come you know but we'll uh we'll, we'll take tough hard work and great kids every day
0: you've alluded to the off the court stuff I, I am genuinely curious tell me about what these guys are doing that's so special and it just to clarify we we hear a lot of great stuff in division three that's what makes this division so great so i actually do want to know
6: more about what they do yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great hashtag, right? YD3, uh, that's kind of trending around and going around. It's it's, it's awesome. Yeah, so I already alluded to Mikey O'Brien, who's got that great consult- uh, job the consulting from Chicago. Um, Jordan Richards, already accepted in the master's program here at Clark. Um, Keiko McCardle is gonna be academic um, all-conference again. Um, after this, he got a 393 um, this uh, fall semester. Um, Bruce Antilles came up with a great idea. Um, we're um, wearing Black History Month shirts in February. And selling them on campus and around the community, and donating profits to a local um, local organization on Main Main South in Worcester. Um, Isaiah Taylor is part of the team, which is a national uh, student athlete uh, group for civic engagement. He's one of 30 student athletes, all divisions, all sports, uh, that is part of this. That's part of this group. Um, Kyle Jackson, you know, Kyle Jackson has been injured the last year and a half, and and um, I mean, he has finance internships already secured for the next two summers in New York city. So not only this summer, but next summer, you know, so, I mean, I can go up and down the roster. We just have amazing guys that are doing great stuff. Um, you know, and again, that's what's to me when I, when I, I knew, cause I had a connection with Wally Hallis, you know, I kind of knew about Clark and had played against them when I was a student athlete, um, you know, but getting coming here and, and realizing the, the university and what we believe in. And then again, our alumni who are helping a ton with, so much of the stuff off the court, you know, again, that's what makes me really proud as a coach, you know, and in my office, but there's, a, there's pictures on the wall of, you know, Chuck Stevens, who's, a, who's in the front office of the San Antonio Spurs and, you know, me going down for practice, uh, you know, last year and, and watching them in training camp. You know I mean? We just have, again, amazing young men that represent the program and, and do great things off the court. And the on the court success is is tied because they're, great kids and work hard and great players, but you know, that off the court stuff, the next 40 years of their life, that's what I'm, I'm really proud of.
0: That's cool stuff. Uh, yeah. That's the best part of this division is, um, and as we just heard from W and L, you know, getting a student athlete because they appreciate that they can be like that kind of student versus going to D one and just being about the, the athlete part is so pivotal. And I appreciate you sharing. Um, I love every one of your guys and and I think what's great about them is it feels like very different individuals who figured out how to come again come together I should say and coalesce as a unit and as you said one that's ever changing on the floor depending on the personnel and uh fun to watch and I'm hoping those underclassmen are certainly appreciate it. We should point out you're a Trinity grad. Uh you're real quick. Your Bantams are having a heck of a season. You got to be proud.
6: Yeah, yeah, coach Cosgrove's done a great job there. You know, I was an assistant there 2013 to 15. Uh, I played for Stan O'Grodnick, who's a really close friend and mentor of mine. And, you know, I still talk with, you know, daily, if not multiple times a week at minimum. Um, yeah, so I'm really proud of that program. And, and uh, again, Coach Cosgrove has done a great, great job, um, you know, there and, and what they've done. Haven't been able to watch him too much. There's a little bit on film here and there. Um, but just to know, know his intensity and his passion and you know his love for that program as well. Um, so yeah, really excited for Coach and, and and what he's doing there as a as an alum.
0: Yeah, I I know our uh, our colleague Gordon Mann is pretty excited with what's going on as well. Uh, men's and women's yeah. programs have been doing pretty. Yeah, we had well good we some good
6: chats, good catch ups in Vegas about that. So uh, yeah, yeah I, great, I I realize. I saw
0: you two talking at one point. I went, ah, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Coach. Appreciate the time, uh, especially a little late on an evening after practice. But uh, I, I get—I love getting the insight, as I say, on to many coaches. And great to see you out in Vegas. Would love to have you back. Uh, it was fun to make it a little bit more interesting with a non-top twenty-five team. That certainly to be deserved to be in that top twenty-five conversation with those others. Uh, as always, give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in?
6: Yeah, I, I did want to shout you out and, and uh, you know, d3hoops.com and the sports tours for having us out in Vegas. Um, again, aside from the results, it was an amazing experience for our guys. Um, you know, so highly, highly recommend uh, that event to any coach. And, um, you know, our know our alumni and our administration is really excited for us to be out there in that platform. And, um, you know, again, it was little things. You know, some guys never been to Vegas. And one of our guys, I didn't realize, had never been on a plane before. Um, you know, so just wait, wait, them what.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you um, went cross country on the first one. Oh, that's that's a way to break that one.
6: Yeah. I give him a, I give him a lot of credit. He he was not he was more excited nervous than he was like scared nervous. Good. You know, so good. I give him a lot of credit from from that standpoint. But um again, the overall experience of how that event was run was tremendous. And um, you know, again, playing against the best teams in the in the in the country, you know, was was huge for us and again it's paid dividends in the short term and I know it'll pay dividends in the long term as well. So wanted to, wanna to thank you and the D three Hoops community for, for kind of allowing us to uh participate in that and be involved in it. So um again thanks.
0: Well thank you for being willing being being willing. Yeah, I went to a D three, trust me. Uh <laughs> thank you for willingly coming out there and, and saying, give me the best. We wanna play the best. We appreciate cool. that as well because some some come out there and say, Well, you know, we like a tough one, but we also don't want a tough one. We're like, come on, you're, you're out here. There's some good teams out here. Challenge yourself, and we appreciate that you wanted Absolutely. to. Okay. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll obviously be keeping an eye on the Cougars and look forward to seeing how the New Mac race plays out. And hopefully we're talking about you in March as well.
6: Yeah, hopefully. Thanks so much, Dave. Take
0: care, Tyler Sims, joining us on the Hoop a Hotline. Good team Eric, that that Clark squad. Uh, I know a loss to Wheaton, but we talk about conference losses all the time, right? We kind of get used to conference losses. Watch for Clark to win this conference. I am saying it again. Yeah, I know it's putting everybody on the spot, but I think they're good enough to win the New Mac and be in the NCAA tournament in terms of heads. I don't think your Clark's a team you want to see in the opening weekend of the tournament. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, keep talking men's basketball. We'll head down and talk to the sales, the Bulldogs. Scott Koval joins us here on Hoopsville. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades, from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
2: Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor
4: those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present honor the past, look to the future.
1: I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. Now everyone else is speechless.
2: Division three allows you to give yourself to other things.
6: Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue.
7: Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to
3: just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it the world
4: we are calling you all of you we are calling all division 3 schools to join our cause
5: it's on us to start the change it's on us to be the change it's on us it's on division 3 it's on all of us to stop sexual assault
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue to roll along, great conversation just now with Tyler Sims of Clark. And he mentioned to me off air an interesting tie-in to our next guest, sales head coach, Scott Koval. Turns out Sims's wife, Christine Shrutram, Schre- no, I was going to get it wrong, Shrutram, I believe is how you say that. Apologies, Christine. She went to Scott Koval's basketball camps. She's from that area. Talk about small world that I had no idea when we booked them and then put them back to back. The Salesmen's basketball lost the first game of the season. They have not lost since. They look really good, and they've got a deep, deep team that I don't think is fully appreciated by many out there. So we checked down with Scott Koval earlier today. He's a busy man as both athletics director for 24 years and head basketball coach for 31, and we talked about his Bulldogs. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach and athletics director at DeSales. It is Scott Koval, Coach, thanks for taking the time as always to join me. I really appreciate it. I know you're especially busy with a dual role, but hey, can't ignore the Bulldogs at this point. Uh, we talked to the women earlier in the season. You guys are 15-2. and two. You are rolling at this point with a big win recently over Stevens. You've got to be pretty thrilled with how this season's coming along.
7: Hi Dave, thank you so much for for having me. Um, yes, it's been a good year. I mean we have an experienced team and you know you hope with with the number of guys we have coming back and, and experience that we do have that you can
0: get it together and have a good season and and so far so good. Scott, beginning of the season, uh, I I don't know what my expectations were. I I know you had a lot of good pieces coming back. We'll talk about them in a moment. Uh, But you also, as any good team does, you lose a few key pieces as well. You start the season 3-2, and losses to Swarthmore and Widener. In hindsight, lost to Widener, probably not that... um, Stunning. They've beaten almost everybody else this season. Swarthmore, I think at that point the season, was really good and, and had a team that had a lot of people kind of confused. But since then, and at that point, at 3-2, and two, I was kind of like, I'm going to wait and see. Let me see where this develops and where this goes. And admittedly, you guys have been on a roll since then, including a huge win over Stevens just a couple of games ago.
7: Yeah, Dave, you know, we started the season... We played a really good college New Jersey team. Uh, We then went down and played Swarthmore. Um, It's this one possession game, Swarthmore at that point. And I think they still will be. I mean, they're so well coached and they got really good players and obviously have the tradition. So, um, you know, you'll see them uh, end the season really strong. And then a game against Widener, look, I've been around a long time. Widener, they've – there's definitely a top 20 team in the country. It might be a top 10 team. I mean, they have – we're old. We have five seniors. And so for most years, we'd be the most experienced team on the team on the, on a floor, but we're not that old. And Widener, they have a terrific individual player, but then they have all these pieces around them. They're very, very, very good team. Um, so from that point that we're three and two and we're trying to find ourselves and We know we played some good teams um, and then we just kind of got together and we ended up playing really good basketball over a stretch. And, you know, things kind of snowball, and our our guys have played really well uh, since that point.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I I find is interesting is, one, those losses aren't stunning, right? Uh, If you really look back at it, you're losing to very good teams. I agree with you about Widener. I'm voting them pretty high in my top 25 to some degree. But when you go back and you look at the rest of your results, you've got really solid results, and it looks like your team's just gaining confidence and gaining confidence and figuring out not only how to win close games, but also put good teams just to the side and put them where you need them to be so it doesn't have to be tight later.
7: Well, it- Although we do have a lot of guys coming back, there's no question we, we have, you know, experience on our team. You know, each year is a little different because the kids change and and some kids get a whole lot better. Some kids get a little bit better. But as a coach, it's the same core group of guys, but they're a little slightly different players. So you have to try to put those together. Uh, you have to try to figure out again you know, who plays well with who on the court. Um, how are we going to try to win some of these games against really good teams? And to our players' credit, they've put a lot of work in, and they've played really hard, compete at a high level, and we've been fortunate enough to win some games.
0: Again, this is a team that's coming off a 21-6 and campaign last season. Um, certainly nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, I know it didn't finish the way you guys wanted it to, losing to Arcadia twice in the last three games and missing out on the NCAA tournament. So I've got to wonder, is that kind of some of the driving force, too? Unfinished business, knowing that this is a program that can be in the NCAA tournament and playing well.
7: Well, it's interesting. I mean, two years ago, we got an at-large bid. Um, uh, last year, I thought we were a better team, and we didn't get an at-large bid. Um, obviously, we lost. We won the regular season championship, but we lost uh, to Arcadia, who is also very very talented again this year. So, um I, I do think that we, as we go through this, I, 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 whether or not it's unfinished business, I think our guys uh, certainly have an understanding of what's at stake and how every game's important, and we try to approach it that way.
0: I know the regular season is not the conference tournament, but the conference tournament has been the stumbling block the last two seasons. Is there an, a conversation about that, yes, these games are important and we need to use these games to better ourselves for that moment? Or is that conversation one that happens later on, in a month's time or in two weeks' time or whatever?
7: That's a great question. I mean, because as a coaching staff, and I've been through this a long time, we we bounce that back and forth all the time. I mean, I, to me, the regular season, if you win a regular season championship, like in Division One, the Big Ten champion is a regular season champion. Right and to me, going through the regular season, especially in our situation where it's a double round robin and everyone plays each other twice on, on their home floor, um, if you end up as a top seed, I think that's significant. I really do, and I, I, we tell our players that like I, it's a significant achievement. Now, it doesn't get into it doesn't get you into the NCA, which is obviously where everyone wants to be, but it's a significant achievement. Um, and then the tournament is a little different because you have a, a bad day or even if like last year, I thought we played fairly well against Arcadia. They killed it. I mean, they absolutely killed it. And 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 we lost. Um, and probably we were probably one game short of getting in. But um, the regular season to us is important. But Obviously, those two games in February, late February are the most important.
0: Looking at the conference, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, a little bit of a new look with Lebanon Valley in, but you also have lost coming and Wilkes, uh, Wilkes, who transferred, I guess transferred's the right term, moved over to the Landmark Conference. Transfer portal? Yeah, they entered Did the portal. Like go Lycoming going to transfer portal? Yep. Yeah, they entered the portal, and uh, Landmark picked them up. I don't know what the NIL deal is with them. <laughs> um, but Yeah, exactly. It does feel a little like that. But it's interesting because uh, it, right now there's five teams above 500, uh, Leb Valdel Val and FDU Florham—the only ones below 500. Um, yourselves are at 15 and two. Missouri Quarter, is 11 and six. Stevens 11, uh, 13 and four. Katie 11 and six, 10 and seven for Kings. Kings—the only one with a below 500 conference record at two and four. But this feels like a little bit of a more competitive and deeper MAC freedom than I'm used to. I'm used to it being a little top heavy. Yeah, you might get some surprises in the tournament but this feels like it's a little bit deeper. Thus, more games are going to be more challenging during the regular season.
7: No question. Uh, Again, I have experience on my side. I mean, probably the league this year is probably more competitive than ever since, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Kings had a really good run. They made an Elite Eight. Uh, we, here at the sales, we made an Elite Eight and a Sweet Sixteen within those years, so that was when the league was probably the best. But this year, right now, it's probably the most competitive. Uh, Stevens at thirteen and four, they're really good, I and mean, we just played them. They're big, they're long, they can shoot the ball, uh, they score from multiple areas. I mean, they have four losses, and I think one the first game of the year they played at Catholic, who's having a good year. They lost in double overtime, the Middlebury, and then they lost to us at the sales and at Misericordia, who's also really, really talented. So, I do think the conference this year is is very, very good. Um, we're playing Misericordia on Wednesday, which is a big game for both of us. It's at their place, and watching film on them. I mean, they offensively they they're as good as as what you're going to find. I mean, they have five, fifty year kids too, so. Um, you know, this, you talk about the transfer portal, but the fifth year of grad students, that has really changed uh, changed a lot of things in college basketball.
0: Yeah, we'll get one more year of the COVID year, which has kind of spurred a lot of that, but it'll be interesting to see how that kind of augments into the future uh, with injuries and such. Um, again, you've got that Misericordia game, as you said, on the road. You'll finish uh, the last two games of the season, uh, or I should say the second to last game of the season with them at home as part of two games at home to finish. We'll talk about the run coming up, but I want to talk about this team. You you talked about their senior leadership. You you talk about this experience. You've got basically a nine-man rotation. All of them are upperclassmen but one, and that one gets a handful of minutes. You're playing juniors and seniors. You're leaning hard into that experience, and it's coming up big for you.
7: Yeah, we are. We we, we play nine, sometimes ten people in the game, which usually we play 11 or 12, but given the the players that we have this year – you know, the rotation is at nine right now and um, they are all upperclassmen and they've been through it before. Um, so that that's really helps me as a coach. We have really good balance. I think we have five or six players averaging between eight and a half and 12 and a half points a game. Uh, we shoot the ball really well. We're shooting over 40 percent for right at 40 percent from three. And we share the ball. I mean, we really pass the ball well, well and share the ball. So, uh, there's going to be some challenges like, you know, we talked about the Mizokori game coming up. Obviously, we have Arcadia. The next Arcadia is really, really talented and very good. So, um, there's going to be some challenges for us coming up. And I think our guys are looking forward to it.
0: You guys are fourth best field goal percentage in Division three at 50.1%. Fifth in rebounding margin in the division. You are 25th in scoring margin, if that means anything to anybody. 12th in three point percentage. Uh, your three-point percentage is just under 40% at 38-9. Uh, this is a, and by the way, that's second in the Mac freedom, interestingly enough. Um, Misericordia, I believe, is the top dog on that stat. Uh, three-point defense, we shouldn't stake a, uh, shake a stick at either. It's 38th in Division Three at 29.2. You are clearly getting it done on offense, but the defense is showing signs in there as well of being really stingy. And obviously, as everyone knows, a good defense is going to help a, a, an offense, even if it's having a rough day. You have a good defense that's helping an offense that seems to be playing very well.
7: Yeah, I think we've had our moments defensively. Uh, we've had some lapses defensively, too. But we've covered that up with with good shooting and, and the ability to to share the ball and sacrifice for each other uh one thing about our shooting is is it's not like we have two guys who are shooting at a 45 or 48% clip we have five guys who are 40% or better one might be at 39 i think so uh, from three point range so we kind of can put guys on the floor including our post players who can shoot the ball and and that has really helped us so i think defensively we do need to get better um We've had some good moments, and we've had some times when I kind of shake my head and like, well, what are we doing out there? But we have been able to cover it up with, uh, with good shooting and good passing.
0: I got to talk about some of these individuals, because there's some things when you dive into these stats that really jump out as being really stunning, other than the percentages which you mentioned. Nobody shoots worse than 39% from beyond the arc. We'll dive into that. But your leading scorer is Elijah Eberly. He's off the bench as your leading scorer, 12.7 points a game. He shoots 68% from the floor. He is 91 of 134. By the way, he doesn't take three-pointers. Apparently, that is outside his area code. But that is a stunning number, Scott. I I, I watch a a female player who's averaging about 63% herself. She doesn't take a lot of shots. So when she does, you know she's likely going to hit. Elijah... At least takes a decent a number of shots and he's killing it at 68%. And again, the psychology of it all, he's coming off the bench.
7: Know thyself, Dave. So Elijah's a first-team all-conference player. He was first-team all-conference last year in our league. Uh, he is coming off our bench, but he plays starters minutes. I mean, we talk to our guys. It's not really starting. It's who plays minutes, and he certainly – he's in a rotation with Caleb Gibbs and Will Bowen up front, and he plays starters minutes. He's a dynamic athlete, very, very athletic kid, and, and he knows what he can do, and, and he knows what he can't do. And and he what he does, he does really, really well, and we rely on that. So, um, again, he's he's a guy over – He's a senior, so um, very good student. He's an accounting major. He has a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers waiting for him. So he's all set. But right now, he's trying to make the most of his senior year. And he's he he makes plays for us athletically that other guys on our team can't. He finishes in plays that other guys on our team can't. And uh, he knows what he does well on the court, and he does those things.
0: Yeah, and he's averaging fourth most minutes uh, on the team and again, some guys, they can see what's going on to start the game, get a, a sense of what's going on, step in and, and be ready to go. They just, that's the mentality or, or the ability or whatever that works. And, and that, so be it, uh, yeah, whatever.
7: You also have, a, have to have a certain character trait in you. Yeah, that, fair. Absolutely. Really
0: willing, I mean,
7: that you're willing to to serve the team and serve others and understand that in, in the end, it's going to come back to you and help you. All right. So there's a lot of, lot of players that, that could not accept that. Um, Elijah's not a lot of players. I mean, he his he's got unbelievably high character. Um, he understands what he can do, what he can't do. He understands what's good for the team and, and he's willing to do it. So it's not just, yeah, you are playing a lot of minutes. He's you know there's you have to have a certain character to be able to do what he's doing right now.
0: Yeah, and, and be willing not to be in the spotlight in the sense of as a PA announcer myself, you know, the glory of the five that get announced and the big rah-rah that we give them and all of that. You got to be willing to allow them to get that, and then you come in and do your work. And that there is a huge trait there that you tip the hat to because not everybody, as you know, in coaching, and I've known from a little bit of coaching, but mainly playing, not everybody can grasp that concept. Of not being the star, um, at least in what looks like the star, you can end up being the star. But what all the glory that comes to the star, as it were, um, no question.
7: But what's really important is his teammates know, and the coaches right. know, everyone that's on the inside of our program knows. So um, they know how good he is, and they, and they know how talented he is, and they know how he's willing to sacrifice. And so the the people that I'm not going to say really matter. That's that's but. You know, the people within the program uh know and, and Elijah knows that they know.
0: Exactly. And the other ones who know are the conference, because we know darn well the conference knows full right. well everything right. about him. You mentioned Gibbs and Bowen. They're the second and third guys in scoring on this team at 10.8, 9.7 points a game. They're the ones, as you said, part of that trio kind of bigs is as, as your uh <laughs> as your S.I.D. B.J. said the bigs on this team, in quotation marks. Uh, they're the ones, though, that also take the three-pointers. Uh, actually, the 39% from deep is Bowen. Uh, it's 43% for Gibbs. That's a heck of a trio. We haven't even gotten to technically the guard play, the outside play. you got three guys who make a huge difference inside and can step out at least two of them and take big shots. That makes defensive matchup hell.
7: Yeah, Caleb um, Gibbs and Will Bowen both have had terrific years. Um, Will's coming off knee surgery, so he might be a surprise to people because he has not played like this. Um, He originally... Went to Delaware to be a football player. He played two years as a scholarship football player in Delaware, didn't like it, and he ended up transferring. Mm-hmm. But so this is his first year where he's truly healthy and he feels comfortable playing basketball. He's having a terrific year. And Caleb's a junior. Caleb has really come on each year. You know, he, he, you could see him getting better and better uh, throughout his freshman and sophomore's years. So this isn't a surprise to us that Caleb is playing as well. But the, their ability to step out and shoot and make threes on a consistent basis really has stretched the floor and opened the floor for us and certainly helped our guards
0: there's a lot to, of this team I wanted to dive into we don't have all the time like Christian uh Goulden and Jordan Holmquist who are certainly playing well from deep and others but the the guy who seems to stir the drink as it were is Matt uh, Mason Barnes he may not jump off the table in terms of stats but there's nothing that BJ wrote me that doesn't say this is the guy who may, helps make sure everything kind of works
7: well, he's a five to one turnover assist to turnover ratio, first of all, right? Which is, is kind of ridiculous. He he does a great job with that. Um, he's shooting forty seven percent from three as a point guard. Now he doesn't take as many attempts as as our, our two wing players, but he, he's he certainly is making shots and he's a he's just a really tough, quick athletic kid. I mean, um he's a kid that's really competitive, uh gives us quickness on the perimeter and really takes care of the ball and, and, and really shares the ball. So he starts everything. Mason's having a great, great year for us.
0: What's the dynamic like when you've got a good team like this playing well, having a bunch of good seasons here, and then on the flip you've got a really good women's program as well that's doing well and leading the charge in the conference? You know, There's a lot of schools that I think we get very accustomed to that and understanding that. There's a lot more out there where it's not like that. There's just one program that gets the spotlight and the other one just kind of is there. What's that dynamic like with the teams where where they almost seem like, to, in, from the outside, they feel like they're feeding off each other?
7: Well, I, I think the relationship, again, I can't speak for other teams or other coaches, but the relationship, I think it starts with my relationship with Fred, Fred Richter, who's, who's I mean, he's as good a college basketball coach as there is. Uh, he's, He's done an amazing job with our program for years. And and the teams are very, very close. Um, you know, it's not, it, there's a number of times that Fred and I have been to weddings together because the bride is one of his. And oh, I thought was,
0: you were saying you were getting married. I, I, I'm sorry. No. <laughs>
7: uh, so so uh, the, the programs have been very close for a long time. Um, there's mutual respect without question between All the all the players and the coaches and the programs, and and it's great to see. I mean, Fred is 15 and two, I believe, again this year. I mean, it's just he's a machine. Their their program is a machine. He does an unbelievable job.
0: Yeah, I had him on earlier this season. Uh, The only thing we got to work on him is tech technology. That's the only thing we got to work on with Fred on. True. Yeah, he admits to that. So. Absolutely admits to it. No, he, we had him on the show. and He flat out told me, I, I think it was in, in pregame. It wasn't uh, before we uh, had him on. He said, my wife's doing all the tech work here. Um, yeah. So I get it. Yeah, they're 15-2 and two as well. It's a double 15-2 there in DeSales. Um, great insight. Obviously, one last question about the team before I want to ask you something kind of outside of the program. But again, you've got two games on the road coming up, Misericordia and Arcadia. Two relatively different trips taking you away from home. Then you're home against Kings and FDU Florham. Then away for two against Stevens-Love-Val. Then home from Israel-Cordia-Delval. So at least you kind of have a pattern coming up. But what do you, what's going to be the biggest challenge other than your opponents that you guys are all going to have to kind of face with this final kind of stretch run into the conference playoffs and maybe dancing in March?
7: Well, you know, it's interesting because the teams in our conference are different. So preparing, this is a big week for us because we're on the road against two very, very good teams and preparing against Misericordia is different than preparing against Arcadia. And I know that's probably the case in most conferences, but I'm just talking about the style of play and and what one team does very, very well as opposed to what another team does very, very well and trying to counter that. So, um, we just, we need to take care of our business. We've had a great start to the year, but you know, it's, it's winning is fragile. Winning is difficult. Um, the other day we, you know, someone said to me, Hey, you only won by 10. And I said, the other team practices, the other team wants to win like winning is really, really hard and it's really fragile. And, you know, there's, you know, one injury, um, you know something one sickness whatever it may be could throw a monkey wrench into all this stuff so we just you know trying to make the most of of our opportunities and hopefully that we get a chance to to continue playing and play well
0: i think the over under was 13 and a half so maybe they had some thoughts on on you only i
1: i I,
7: I just that this took me back you know like when someone says that it's like well the other team is they're pretty good and, and they practice so it, it's just people who haven't you know who have not coached for a living and you don't under, quite understand that it is a it's not uh winning is not a, just a given like you, you have to really work at it and and you have to be pretty lucky sometimes too
0: can't believe you're in your 31st year coaching what i also can't believe is you're in your 24th year as athletics director um, I know from a personal perspective, you're, you're having a blast as a father of a, of a son who's certainly having a great basketball season. We don't need to dive in too much on it because from what I hear, we won't be talking about him on this show ever uh, in the future. I hear he's really talented. Um, but from your administrative perspective, you guys have literally been in the middle of a whirlwind of conference changes, adjustments, decisions, you you name it for years now dating back to when the Landmark conference formed in its in its infancy at the very least you've seen the landmark forum you've seen the the Mac freedom and Commonwealth both expand and de- decrease then expand and maybe a little decrease again you've seen the landmark ad football you've seen the UEC and the NEAC now merge into one conference. Uh, you have seen all these other craziness going on in this kind of mid-Atlantic region. A, what's that like to be sitting there just not knowing where the... And by the way, schools closing is is obviously on the on the forefront now, especially in that UEC-NEAC move. Or I should say, I'm speaking UAC-NEAC is the same conference, UEC-CSAC move. Um But, you know, conference, schools could close, schools could be in jeopardy. Decisions are being made based on that. What's it like to be sitting there at your desk, not knowing if you might get an email or a phone call from somebody, whether it's your president, another school or whomever, saying this is changing and it's now impacting us like this, as the freedom obviously changed this year. It's got to be a bit of an uneasy seat.
7: Well, you certainly hope you have some heads up. Right. It doesn't happen in in just one conversation. Hey, we're leaving or this team is leaving or this school's closing. Right. By the way, I've
0: been meaning to tell you, Scott, we're leaving a conference. (laughs) Yeah.
7: um, I I know from our end at DeSales, uh, this is the third president I've worked for. And we've had unbelievable leadership here. Now, again, I've been here 31 years and we've only had three presidents. That's that's kind of unheard of. So our, we've been very um very steady that way with again with great leadership. And I think the MAC has had some very, really good leadership also throughout the years. Now, there's always gonna be changes. You know, football drives a lot of these decisions, as you know. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but you you want to is it uneasy? Uh, yeah, I guess it'd be it'd be great if you just had the same eight teams in a conference forever, but that's just not life and that's just not the way things are going to happen and so you look at each situation you say okay how can we make this the best conference we can make it as ad's how can we um, do the best for our student athletes and and go with it and and that's just the way it works and you know that at some point there's going to be changes and you have to adapt and and that's okay too because when you come out of it you might come out better than what you were to start with so um, the hope is that i never get a call without any kind of heads up saying that this is happening. But I think the MAC as a conference is really strong. We have 16 really, really good schools in right now. Um, whether we expand or not, I don't know. Uh, there's always that There's always that discussion. But um, I think uh, I like where we are now, and, and we're going to move forward with some really good sport teams.
0: Quickly, um, every once in a while, and one of the ones I didn't mention was the AEC being created too. Uh, and then Wesley closing and some of these, and Cabrini being bought out. I mean, these are all this, this stuff, all in your backyard, essentially, that's been going on in the last 20-some-odd years. Um, every once in a while, when a conference move is being discussed, someone will call me and say, you know, I think sales would be a good fit for this, or maybe they'll move to this or whatever. I always dismiss it, because the one thing I've always found interesting is you guys seem very comfortable, uh, and that's not a negative, uh, very um in your place like you understand where you fit and you don't seem to be wanting to look to go anywhere else to your point about presidencies maybe is is the mac your home is that is there any reason to to ever consider leaving the mac well you, you can never say never i mean you don't know what's going to happen absolutely right yeah
7: our our relationships with the mac has been has been tremendous uh we're in a great location as far as our travel, I mean, we're right in the middle of of uh, of the conference, basically. So uh, we might have a hour and forty five minute drive to Stevens. That's nothing when teams are traveling two and a half and three hours of games, right? So from a, from a travel perspective, from the the what we can offer our athletes uh, across the board uh, in a competitive way with the MAC schedule, um, the non conference. That we can schedule because of where we're located. I mean, there's so many really good conferences around us that we can find great non-conference games in all sports. So right now, I mean, we're really, really happy where we are. Uh, we joined the Mac a number of years ago and it's been it's been great for our school. Uh it's been a really good marriage between DeSales and the MAC.
0: Yeah, I just appreciate the perspective. Just for anybody out there, I'm I I'm not hearing anything otherwise. I'm just I'm genuinely interested to hear your perspective on that position you're right you guys are in a perfect location you're not fringe in any way you don't have long trips as you pointed out you you have a plethora to pick from in terms of non-conference games And if you look through your schedule you can certainly see that as well Scott taking a ton of your time really appreciate it as always you're always wonderful to chat with and I love getting to learn more about the Bulldogs uh Mark Simon is certainly proud to be calling the games there in DeSales land and you guys have a great crew there, that I always enjoy working with. So thank you for your time. As always, though, we give the, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in?
7: Well, Dave, thank you for having me. I, re- I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you for the coverage of the sales and division three. And I mean this is a great time of the year, right? We're 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 getting into kind of the stretch run where every game's important in college basketball. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And and uh, this is the best time. So I really appreciate your coverage. And thank you so much for having me on tonight.
0: Well, thank you, Scott. Take care of yourselves. Good luck the rest of the way. I look forward to bumping into you down the road. And we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Dave. Scott Coval, joining us here from DeSales. Scott, again, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Great program there at DeSales. They are a really good team. Uh, undefeated since their first game. I mean, that's it. That, that's nothing to shake a stick at. I, I did vote for him in my top 25 this week. Uh, their resume told me it was worth a conversation and at least a look. By the way, Stevens is getting somebody voting him 25th. The sales is on the outside looking in with 32 points. I'm certainly not the only one voting him in the top 25. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll go through the top 25. New women's top 25 out as well uh, for week seven. So we'll go through all those at the end of the show. When we come back, we will pivot and go back to women's basketball. We'll head to Texas Talk to American Southwest uh, leader, Mary Harden Baylor, on the women's side. Having a really good season down there under first-year head coach on a program that's only lost once. Talk to him coming up. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media.
2: Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal and I can accomplish it,
5: It's a well-rounded experience.
2: At a Division III school, you're
7: primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete
6: individual.
5: It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you.
7: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue on this January 22nd show. Reminder, and we'll cover this in the next, uh, in our final block when we wrap everything up. Thursday's show will be at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, already booking our guests for that show. We head down to Texas now into Region 10 to talk women's basketball. To Mary Harden-Baylor, we return to the ASC, maybe a little earlier than we should have, but I couldn't resist this anymore. Mary Harden-Baylor is 16-1 overall. They are 9-2 in ASC play with a a game-and-a-half lead on Harden-Simmons. You could argue it's a two-game lead since they have an overtime win, 83-89 over Harden-Simmons back on January 11th. Granted, they've still got them to play. It'll be the final game of the regular season. First-year head coach Katie novak Lenore is back in the ASC herself, taking over from Mark Morfield. If you might remember, it was about a year ago that Mark Morfield got let go from Mary Harden-Baylor for a lot of indiscretions, including his behavior, apparently, towards officials, student-athletes, you name it, when he would get hot and fired up. For the record, he's got a job now at a JUCO school in the state. And Novak Lenore is doing pretty well with the program that she inherited. We talked earlier today with her. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the first year head coach at Mary Harden Baylor Women's Basketball. It's Katie Novak Lenore. Coach, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. You guys are having a pretty darn good season.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Sixteen and one, coach. Um, when you took this program over, which we'll talk about later in the show, What were the expectations? I mean, were they to have a a season like you're having right now through 17 games, or was it just let's get off on a solid start and see where things build?
2: I think it was uh, a lot of let's get off on a solid start and find the right group of people and get the culture where we want it to be and, and move forward one day at a time. That was kind of, you know, my thought process and I knew it'd be, you know, inheriting a bunch of really great athletes and, you know, I got to coach against some of them a few years ago when I was in the conference, not all of them, but a good handful. So I was pretty familiar with some of them already just as players, but, um, you know, just getting to know them as people and, and things like that was kind of just taking it day by day for me.
0: Was there, you know, obviously Mark Moorfield and his departure at about, I think it was about this time last year, um, I may have the timing wrong, was certainly not um, pleasant. It, it wasn't smooth. It wasn't um, without controversy. Were Was there a little bit of mending fences and, and treating wounds and getting people to understand that we're moving forward now with with a different look and we're going to leave this, not in the past, obviously you want to deal with it, but... That is our past. Now we don't need to dwell on it as we move forward.
2: You know, I just taking over. You know, the three different programs I have as as a head coach. Change is always hard. Uh, change is easier for some, and change is harder for others. But uh, change in life is inevitable. So that's kind of what I was talking to them about. Is um, you know, you're going to have a lot of times where you have to. You know, you move with your family or you leave a job or, you know, you get a new opportunity or, you know, someone you worked with for years, you know, they leave and that changes your dynamic, too. And so um, it's just, you know, it doesn't have to be this thing that, you know, they linger on for a long time because as adults, they're going to start dealing with more and more change uh, where it changes every day pretty quickly. So that's kind of how um, I approach it. And, you know, what I kind of talked to the team about knowing that it's okay if it's hard a lot of days or if they don't understand things right away and, um, or if they don't like certain things right away, and that's kind of just part of it too.
0: You come certainly with a perspective on change, both in your playing days where you had to make some changes due to what was in front of you and your circumstances to your coaching days. Mm-hmm. We should remind everybody you were the head coach at Sol Ross State for a handful of years um, mm-hmm. before departing to go to Hawaii. I st- I'm still going to have to wrap my mind around the idea of coming back from Hawaii, but it's okay. We'll <laughs> move on. Um, but again, you know, taking over the program at Sol Ross and kind of building them and getting them better before departing. Uh, for Hawaii and trying to do it there and now back here and taking this storied Mary Harden Baylor program and moving them in a new direction. You, you've you got the toolkit per se to kind of handle this.
2: Yeah, I feel like um, it kind of all lined up where it prepared me more to deal with, you know, coming in and changing and um, coming into a really talented team and having tools to work with of, hey, that all these kids, like I didn't recruit a lot of them. They didn't sign up to play for me, so I know that's part of it. Going into it is, they don't necessarily just get on board just because you say, "Hey, I'd like you to get on board." Um, that's just not the reality of the situation. So, um, I'm very w- well aware of that. Um, but I definitely appreciated all the willingness that my players got to show, and um, they just really good kids. They just they want to succeed in the classroom and on the court, and that makes it a lot easier.
0: Again, the success you showed at Sol Ross um, probably made this a a little bit of a no-brainer decision for those who needed to make the hire to bring you in because you showed in your years there at Sol Ross that you could take a program that maybe people were overlooking and make it very competitive in this ASC. And on top of that, have accolades to your players and your staff and all that and get accomplished. So that probably made it both an easy transition for yourself, but also an easy hire for those making the decision. They know you coming in with that pedigree.
2: I I hope that was the case in some ways. I think so. Um, I appreciate them seeing, you know, the opportunity to build. I know it can be a, an easy thing right away to just look at, you know, record or numbers and things like that. Um, but I'm definitely more interested in, you know, what am I doing long term now? And am I getting better all the time as a coach? That's how I feel about my teams. Are they getting better every day? Are they getting better in the long term? Or are we the same team that we were two years ago? And if we are, that's my fault, too. So that's kind of how I felt as a coach. You know? Um, you know, hopefully I'll be a better coach 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now than I am today. And that's, you know, I don't. I don't think that the challenges are necessarily bad.
0: And you get to reconnect with Cliff Carroll. You two are both head coaches yeah. out at Saul Ross at the same time for a few years.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's a good friend of mine and um, his family's great. And we, we always had a good time working together. And um, I knew he wouldn't steer me wrong if he told me it's a, a good place to be. And, you know, it just, y- you see a different side of it when you're just, competing, right? You, you come to Mary Carden Baylor and you compete. You don't really know um, just kind of the in and out of the, the school and the university and the staff and how things are done day to day. But there's a reason why, you know, there's so many athletic teams here that are so successful. And um, it's been a blessing for me to be here.
0: I'm talking to him before the hire was made, nothing uh, in terms of anything official, but I do know he was excited. The idea that you were even in the mix. Uh, I think he looked forward to having you back, and now you team it up again with Mary Hardin Baylor. Team, to your team, is having a great season, as I mentioned, 16-1 and one on the campaign. That one loss was out of the gate against a really good Trinity Texas team, which, granted, was a little bit different then than they are now, without their leading scorer now, but still figuring it out. And it was only by 10 that game taking place in Marshall, Texas, we should point out. You've been on a roll ever since. You've got solid wins in conference uh, against a conference that is tough. I mean, you've got wins over Harden-Simmons. You've got ten- wins over McMurray in Texas-Dallas. This is this is a great first year for this program under your leadership, and, and you've got to be frustrating maybe some conference foes who thought they had a chance finally to, to get a wins over Mary Harden-Baylor if they had come back to earth a little bit. <laughs>
2: I uh I just kind of a uh, I, like I said I I just appreciate my team a lot. Um I do feel like we are getting better constantly throughout the season and just kind of building. I mean, watching film from us even at the beginning of the year or a few like even a month ago to now, I said I told them recently, you know, we are changing and we're evolving. That's what we need to be doing at this point in time, especially when you go and play teams second time around and You know, I think maybe a little bit just style wise um, for certain people might have been a little bit of a a surprise. But, you know, I also was in the conference before a few years ago. um, So for some coaches, I kind of think they knew maybe a little bit, hey, this is what we're probably going to expect from them um, from time to time. But, you know, now is the time we really got to get sharp and we're seeing everybody second time around.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say if if they're surprised by what you're doing after you were at Sol Ross for five years, that we need we mean maybe need to check in with them and figure out what they there's thought. There's been you were some coaching do.
2: changes though, you know. I mean been... coaches
0: change and evolve. I get that. But yeah. still, I, I think some of the cat was out of the bag. But this is an older team too, we should point out. Mm-hmm. You've got eleven players who either graduate seniors or juniors. So they've mm-hmm. got a lot of experience under the belt, even if they maybe didn't get a ton of playing time, they've been through the rigors of a season and understanding the conference and all that. And while you don't have a lot of underclassmen per se and sophomores in freshmen, you still are, you have a lot of experience that also will return. And so this is a great building block at this point.
2: Oh, definitely. And you know, I tell my freshmen sometimes, you know, sometimes there's just no substitute for experience. You uh, you can be a really great freshman and you're still going to be a freshman, make your freshman mistakes. So uh, even if they've had experience where they've been out for injuries for years or things like that, you know, being an upperclassman is is still helpful. And you're still learning on the sides and you're more confident and, and mature as a player. And um, we have a lot of that. And I'm I'm grateful for that.
0: Um, it helps, by the way, if you have a player out of Mansfield, Texas, named Ariana Rossboro, and she's only a junior. Player of the Year in the conference last year, an All-American last year, first team All-Region last year. She's crushing it. This season at 21.3 points a game, 6.8 rebounds a contest. She has the most assists on this team, second most block shoots, 46% from the floor, 33% from deep. Don't foul her. She hits 85% of her free throws on top of that, and she's taken 128 free throws this season, which is I think everybody else combined doesn't hit that number. That is a heck of a player to be able to utilize – and move forward for a program cuz she is really talented.
2: Oh yeah. I mean not even just like the talent level is above and beyond but the work ethic is really above and beyond. Um and that's just awesome, you know, as a as a coach to see and it's fun I think sometimes I, I don't even know if she knows what she can really do to what level. Um you know, and it's not, it's not just the scoring. I mean, it's, it's literally, it's everything. And when we chart some other stuff in games and we call them hustle points and I mean, her hustle points are through the roof every day and practice every single game Um, that doesn't change. So it's, it's not a surprise, but what's been really cool for me too, is, you know, I got to see her come into conference as a freshman and coach against her. And then uh, she's just gotten better every year. She's gotten better every year and that's because she, works harder than everybody
0: and the scary part is she's a junior yeah that's i mean i'm excited to see where she goes mental note everybody this this torture from uh her is not over yet by the way i did the math (laughs) uh the rest of the team has shot more free throws than she has by about 50 that's it it's about 170 (laughs) to 128 it's it's ridiculous But, obviously, she's the key. She's obviously your main weapon. She obviously gets it done even when she's probably got double and triple teams on her. But the rest of this team also has to step up to take a little pressure off and make a defense honest. Lauren Baker scores 10.8 points a game. Alexis uh, Carmesino. Carmesino. Carmesino, thank you. I had to say that out loud to get it out of my head. Uh, 9.1 points a game. Caitlin um, Colmogren. 8.7, 7.2 Uh, 8.7, 7.2 for Ashley Foe. I'm gonna get to what that all really means in a moment, but you still got players who are making significant um contributions offensively on top of the 21 plus points that Alexis has given you or Ariana is. Giving
2: yeah, we uh Ariana, yeah we uh I really feel like we at any given night could have somebody. We have the ability for probably 12 different people that could drop 20 um, easily. Uh and I, we really just feel like we are that we're that deep. Um, we have people that can score in a variety of ways. And I think uh, I feel pretty confident that, you know, when people need to step up to the plate, they can step up to the plate. You know, we didn't have Ariana this past Saturday, but, you know, we had different people step up to the plate and um, we see them do it in practice though. So for us, it's, it's not a surprise. And they're also, going against each other every day so and going against her every day makes them better.
0: great point yeah absolutely. By the way beat Concordia Texas on Saturday 8468. Uh, team is averaging 80.1 points a game that is ninth best in Division three. That's a whole mess of offense that is being complemented defensively by a team that's only allowing 63 and a quarter points a game. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there because not only is the offense seemingly clicking and scoring in high numbers, but the defense is locking it down, at least on what it, the stat sheets are telling us.
2: Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like the defense locks go. it down like it should, but uh, we're trying to work on that still. But we, uh, yeah, I think we just have a lot of offensive weapons and we, we play fast. Uh, we get out and run in transition. Obviously, that helps with just number of possessions, offensive possessions. We have a game and and uh, we offensive rebound well. That's um, a big emphasis for us. So that just helps getting those second, third chance points or getting to the free throw line, getting fouled because of those o boards. So we uh, we are really trying to push that and hopefully get sharper on the defensive end the second go round.
0: Eight games left in conference as you second sec, as you mentioned, second go-around here. You've got a uh, game and a half lead on Harden Simmons currently, who's fifteen and three overall, eight and two in conference play. McMurray is twelve and six, seven and three. Then it's Texas Dallas, thirteen and four, five and three. ETBU having a bit of a rough season, but they're lurking and improving a little bit. They're mm-hmm. seven and eleven, four and six in conference play. And I bring them up because yes, they've lost three of their last four, but prior to that they had won four in a row. So they can they can get on a run that can make things a little bit of a problem for everybody. How do you keep everybody focused? This is obviously not done. You, we, you haven't wrapped up the conference regular season. You certainly aren't prepared for conference tournament. March is not a sure thing, even though you're 16-1. and one. How do you have everybody understand, all right, we're 17 in. We have eight more to play that we are going to play, potentially a couple more, if not three more after that, before we can even talk about March. Our work is far from done. How do you drive that home?
2: You know, I think a lot of it too has to do with the fact of, you know, showing up and really being present every day and understanding that at any moment, uh, you know, you don't have the basketball opportunity in front of you anymore for a variety of reasons, right? We've had a lot of people that have in their past had season-ending injuries. So that's always something I remind them if I feel like we're getting, uh, you know, just going through the motions or, or we get... Too complacent, or we're not. You know, we have a couple days of practice. I'm like, "Ah, we didn't move the needle forward enough. Is you know, this is not guaranteed. Your your game tomorrow isn't even guaranteed. You got to be healthy. You got to be, you know, physically healthy. Can't be the whole team getting sick. You know, you never know when somebody's gonna drop out and be injured. You you just don't know when those kind of things happen. And you be you need to play every game like it's your last. And we need to be improving every day. So that's kind of just. What we're focusing on is honestly I'm not even talking that far in the future is we need to start um, showing up to right now. Every drill, you know, you're not just getting through it. We're showing up to to do this for a purpose, and what we do should be purposeful.
0: You've got ETBU on the road at their place in your next affair, uh, part of your doubleheader with Letourneau on the weekend. Um, Harden-Simmons will be your final game of the season, and it's a bit of a beast to finish. It's McMurray and Harden-Simmons in the mm-hmm. final weekend of the season uh to get this and it, those will be at home at least what do you what are you expecting from these teams what what do you make of Harden Mary uh let me try that one again Harden Simmons what do you make of ETBU what do you make of your opponents here as you as you hit this second half
2: we have a lot of tough teams in conference and we have a lot of teams that bring different strengths to the table. So it's like, you've got to be ready for something different every night. You know, ETBU rebounds the ball really well. They're strong. They're very scrappy. Um, you know, and then obviously if you're traveling to the, you know, our last two home games of the year, both Abilene teams are, shoot the three lights out. <laughs> they got seven, eight, nine people that can shoot it fast, shoot it with range and, um, and just really be consistent. And it's good for us to, to have to be prepared for anything and be ready for anything and everything. And just knowing that, you know, what, what may have worked the first time might not work this game. So, you know, we've got to stay, stay sharp with that, but we, we have a lot of good teams and very talented teams in conference that kind of do a lot of different things. So night by night, it's very different.
0: Uh, you got to be enjoying the fact that the travel is a little bit more manageable than uh, the five years you spent out at Sol Ross, where every trip was um, a um, long one is, and I'm being kind.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, now that, especially with my two little kids, um, my two and a half year old and my almost 11 month old, um, yeah, the, those long, long bus rides, you know, I'm not saying that there's not the few here and there. And we had a couple of longer, you know, we had some flights this year, but it's, uh, definitely, definitely quite a bit different.
0: The thing you came into this conference um and you saw the beginnings of this when you left, and that Sol Ross was departing Division Three as you were departing. Mm-hmm. You come back in, and this conference, <laughs> to maybe be a little bit over the top, is in flames. Um the departures have been rampant. There's been an earthquake in Texas. Um and you guys, yourselves and, and the rest of the of the Um, Baptist group plus one other, uh, Letourneau I believe holding essentially the remnants of this conference was there any concern coming in of knowing that this was a very unstable situation in terms of conference and not knowing what even next year is going to bring in terms of opponents and conference games and where you may be playing in the future
2: Um, for me it wasn't just because I know You know, Mary Harden Baylor is going to commit and do something very well, you know, not. I just wouldn't worry about any kind of direction that we go in or how we adapt. And the nice thing is I'm not making those decisions. I'm just going to be reacting to it. But it's kind of the same things I would tell my players is, you know, it's a problem if I can't be adaptable. So kind of whatever happens, um, you know, I'll be ready for it. And, you know, everybody's got to get ready for it. So,
0: Yeah, good point. Uh, Just interesting. I mean, you literally came into a a scenario where a coach is left under rather um, difficult times. Uh, You're into a conference that's in difficult times. But as you said, you're at a school that's rather stable and does things pretty well, uh, as we've seen in a number of sports. And so I was curious that perspective. I appreciate it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously a lot to play for. Uh, So I appreciate the time you gave us, but fascinating 16 and one this season. Uh, My last question before we get to the final word would be, is this what you expected? Did you think when you guys started this season that you could be at this juncture with one loss overall undefeated in conference play and kind of be controlling things?
2: Uh, I knew it was a possibility for sure. Um, but I think that what's been really a pleasant surprise for me um, is really just coaching who I get to coach and people that are that love basketball, that are really committed, that want to be better, that want to grow as a team. Um, that's been that's been really pleasantly surprising. You know, it's it's not always easy coming in, especially like I said when they didn't necessarily you know sign up to play for me. Now some of them I maybe had recruited in high school or talked, you know, when I was at Sol Ross and there's no way they're coming out to Alpine, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, that's been a really, really pleasant surprise. And, and I am really grateful for that.
0: Well, it's been impressive. I, I've been enjoying it from afar and I'm glad we could finally get you on to talk all about it. Do us a favor, tell Cliff we said, hi, I know he's jealous oh, well. that you're on the show and not him. I, he, he has some thing where he, he needs to be on hoops. So, but um, Katie, I appreciate the time and I really, uh, tip of the hat seriously on what you guys have accomplished this season, considering it all as always, we give the guests though, the final word, any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who might be tuned in.
2: I think, uh, women's basketball is really improving, turning in a bigger corner than ever be ever before at every level. So any chance you get to go out in person and watch games in the area and you, you know, watch conference championships and watch ranked teams. I mean, It's a, it's a really, it's changing. The game is changing and you don't want to miss it.
0: You're right. It is changing and it's a lot of fun to watch. I've certainly enjoyed the changes over the last 20 years myself. Take care of yourself. Good luck. The rest of the campaign. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you so much, Dave. Katie Novak, Lenore, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Thanks to coach for being on the show. Uh, Katie uh, Novak Peoples is who you might've remembered her as. Um, She made a comment about uh, that Sol Ross hire and such. I forgot until we were talking off air. She has taken over now three programs whose coaches resigned mid-season due to something questionable. Uh, In 2016, Sol Ross hired Caleb Henson from Lubbock Christian, a Division II school that were the champs at the time. He took over. That following season, he was let go by Sol Ross. His quote was, In my interest to improve student-athletes, I inadvertently made a mistake that's regrettably, that regrettably has affected a lot of people I care about. I wish nothing but the best for the future of the women's basketball team in Sol Ross University. When asked by a publication about that to the sports information director at Sol Ross at the time, Travis Hendricks, Said their resignation stemmed from a difference in coaching philosophy, but that's where it stuck. By the way, at one point Caleb Henson popped up at ETBU as an assistant coach. I've lost track of where he is now. I don't think he's still there. He was under uh, Rainbolt's squad there. Um, actually, I can check real quick because I f- forgot I was sitting there right on on their page. Uh, he's not there. That's what I thought. Um. Katie Novak then left Sol Ross for Hawaii Pacific in Division II. Hawaii Pacific had let go of Reed Takasuka, Takatsuka, I believe is how you... Takatsuka. Um, in the middle of the 23 season? No, to, uh, December 21. So, 21-22 season. He was let go due to a pending investigation into, quote, issues relating to athletes' well-being unquote uh the statement went on to say hpu top priorities are health safety and the well-being of our student athletes we do not comment on personnel matters by the way both the scenarios at So ross and hawaii pacific you know who took over the men uh, the women's program that season on an interim basis the current men's coach that was cliff carroll at So ross it was uh darren vorderbrugge vorderbrugge i believe is how you say his name at hawaii pacific he just re- uh, retired by As we were wrapping up the show today, uh, the computer crashed. And so if you're watching this or listening to this, you're watching On Demand or listening on the podcast. And I appreciate you taking the time to do that. We were wrapping up some interesting notes on the women's basketball situation at uh, or the situation that Coach um, Katie novak Lenore at Mary uh, Maryhan Baylor has found herself in, but she's doing a great job there. And we appreciate, again, her time appearing on the program. A uh, quick look at the top 20, 20- in men's and women's basketball, new come out obviously on Monday. On the men's side, if you look at the top thirteen, essentially nothing has changed. Uh, the top nine, absolutely nothing has changed. Roanoke moved from eleventh to tenth. Platteville from twelfth to eleventh. Trinity fell. Trinity Texas fell from tenth to twelfth, and NYU remained at thirteen. So the top thirteen, not nah, nothing's changed except for ten through twelve, just shuffled around a little bit. Uh, Cal Lutheran is up to 14th, I believe the highest they've ever been, at least in season, top 25. Catholics moved up from 20th to 26th, and Christopher Newport's leaped into the top 25 further up. They're now to 17th. I have not voted for them. I'm waiting just a little bit longer um, to see what if this team I don't think they've been as tested as we think they are, Mary Washington isn't the team we expected they were, and they got to win over them mount, mount Union fell from fifteenth to eighteenth Nebraska Wesleyan jumped in to nineteenth from an unranked position uh that makes well we'll talk about that in a minute uh Emory is still in the top now in the top twenty. Whitewater fell from eighteenth to twenty first back to the beginning of the show where I mentioned uh according to the poll um Whitewater is behind Platteville, so they lost to Platteville, so why wouldn't you keep them there? Now, granted, I removed Virginia Wesleyan when they lost to Guilford, and I had Virginia Wesleyan behind Guilford in my top 25. The difference was it was a 33-point drubbing by Guilford in that game. Whitewater lost to Platteville by four. Now, caveat to all that, it was Whitewater's third loss in a row. They got off the snide with a win over River Falls. So maybe voters were on that realm, but again, if you're voting for him after two losses and you see Platteville coming and you're likely voting for Platteville ahead of them, you should expect that to be a loss. I don't know, just my thinking. Um, Washu uh, fell from 14th to 22nd. I voted them all the way down to 24. Coe's into the top 25 at number 23. Hopkins is into the top 25 at 24, and Lawrence is into the top 25 at 25. ARC has three teams, one, two, three in the top 25. And a quick look at those receiving votes. Dubuque is getting a couple, which means two voters have them 25th or one voter has them 24th. That means four teams are getting attention. Pretty impressive for the American Rivers Conference. Uh, St. Thomas, Texas, out of the top 25, along with Hood, Clark, and Tufts. Uh, Tufts is receiving the f- most votes. are five behind Loris in the top 25. Claremont Mudd-Scripps is getting 56. They need 74 to get in. So pretty interesting top 25 on the men's side, but not a ton of movement. That's why we didn't have a top 25 um, panel this week. On the women's side, uh, NYU picked up another another first-place vote. They now have 20. Transylvania has four and Rhode Island has one. No movement in their top 11 on the women's side. Zero movement whatsoever. Maybe some votes changing places, but still. Uh, Johns Hopkins is one vote by, or one point by in 10th spot. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan fell from 8th to 11th with their results this past week, which I don't think were horrible. Uh, they did lose to Milliken. I kind of maybe saw that coming. And for those of you who are... Watching the video side of this, the video has frozen, and we're not going to fix the camera. We're tired of fixing it. We're going to keep on going and wrap this up. Uh, but Illinois Wesleyan women did get the win over Carroll 70 times, 72-68. So, interesting result on that one. Um, Bowden moved up a spot. Warp, actually, Warburg and Bowden, Bowden just flipped spots. Uh, Bowden um, moving up to 12th uh, after a win over Colby this week, I suspect. Also, a win over Emanuel. So, Pretty pretty good results there. Wartburg, in the meantime, I don't think did anything necessary to lose votes. I think voters are just shuffling their decks a little bit here. Uh, Warburg hasn't lost since losing to Wash U back on December thirtieth, so I think voters are just shuffling their individual ballots a wee bit, as they say. Um, Marion Baylor the fourth. <laughs> Marion Baylor and Scranton did the exact same thing that Bowden and Wartburg did. And they just swapped spots. There's a two. Uh, there's a a a 17 point difference between Bowden and Wartburg there's a two point difference between Mary Harden Baylor and Scranton uh Milliken moved up a spot uh Smith moved up a spot Oshkosh moved up three to 18th harden Simmons stayed at 19th the stayed at 20th Loris moved up from 23 to 21 Whitman from 24 to 22 WNL fell three uh five spots which is interesting I think the voters are just shuffling things around. W&L didn't, uh, I mean, they lost to Shenandoah, uh, but the voters didn't, like, kill them for it, but they fell five spots. Carroll moved up a spot, and Bates is into the top 25, replacing Amherst. Again, lost to Williams this week. Uh, Baldwin-Wallace getting the most votes outside the top 25, followed by Gettysburg. Uh, far fewer voter votes are going outside the top 25 on the women's side. Again, the camera froze, If you're those of you watching this on demand. Uh, part of a, a glitch that no one seems to have an answer to, just for the record. Um, but I appreciate you all tuning in. appreciate all our guests. We had some great ones from Washington and Lee talking to Christine Clancy. Great conversation with her. From Clark Taylor Sims, from DeSales, of course, Scott Koval, and from Mary Harden Baylor, Katie novak Lenore. Appreciate all the sports information departments as well for their tremendous help and work. Um, Sydney and Will at WNL. and uh, At Clark, it is uh, Brendan who helped me out. At the sales, of course, BJ Spiegelmeyer, a good friend of the show, and, and those of uh, at Mary Harden Baylor, I thank them for their help as well. We're going to take, uh, so Thursday's show is going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Of note, uh, all the Thursday shows, except for February 15th, for the rest of the regular season, will be at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we are already working on segments for Thursday, including, probably won't do a top 25 panel this week, but we will the following week, but... We will talk officiating, we hope, on Thursday's show. Uh, At least one, maybe two guests on that segment, among some other ideas. So tune in Thursday matinee live at 1 o'clock. And then we'll be back on Monday at 7 o'clock as well. Stay tuned for when we possibly can do the marathon, though it is looking tenuous this year. uh, But also other big shows coming along the way. Thank you to all of you who have supported us. And if you're looking to advertise or to sponsor anything on the show, please contact us. We've got room. Looking to maybe get some t-shirts out there. I know people have been looking for that. We're going to look into doing that once again. Maybe maybe a new vendor. I'm not sure. We haven't crossed that bridge. And then also, um, I know some people have asked about donating to the show. We'll get some of that stuff up running in the next week or so as well. Thank you to all who tuned in. Appreciate it. And thanks for watching Hoopsville. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the Hoopsville studios. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you on Thursday.